Oh wow! I, I think you may have actually done it. I know. I didn't know that there was such a big difference between the Windows version or the the browser version and the actual app. Because there's a oh, lot. Oh yeah. It won't let you do in the actual browser. Like I can't upload things on Instagram if I'm on the browser. I actually physically have to load them from my iPad. Yeah, that. Um, yeah, you can't do a lot of things apparently um, in the app that you can do on All the right. browser yet. Before I, you say anything else, just make sure that the uh, you know uh, the profanity is gone because you are being recorded, and I am live streaming this to my channel. So, uh oh, okay, so no profanity. Yeah, or else I'll have to stop <laughs> midway <laughs> through. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? This guy's out of control. I can't have this man on my channel. Right. <laughs> and and uh, how do I refer to you as a uh, human being? Oh, I'm just a customer from the Krogers. Okay. Just the customer from the Krogers. So I'm going to so so I'm going to say, but I don't mean like like how to identify you. Like when I say your name, what is going to be your name? Like I don't know if I if you want that out there. No, I, I you know I actually had someone who went through every single chat yesterday while I was live streaming just so their name wouldn't appear on my channel. Literally, you know, going right down the line, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna delete this when we're done. She's like, I can't take that risk. Oh wow! So, so, you, so how do I refer to you? Is what I'm uh, for all that. I, let's not use my real name. Let's just call me. Right. Uh, uh, I don't know uh, a patron of, of of your establishment of your fine establishment. When I want to interrupt you when you're talking, I can't say Mr. <laughs> Patron of the establishment. We can call you Bob for all I care. <laughs> yeah, let's just call me Bob. I mean, what do you want me to call well, you? Just Romeus T? <laughs> yeah, well, it's Romeus T. Romeus T. Okay. Right. All right. So I'll just call you T. <laughs> just, uh, to yes. it, just to make it uh, more obnoxious. All right. So all right. Um, if. We're we're doing a live stream on your YouTube channel. Yep, you're live and, at five. And then we're also being live on my pod. Well, we're not live on my podcast, but we are being recorded live. So this is going to be a very different podcast for the people who have listened to the podcast before. Uh, what you really are getting to hear, and all the YouTube streamers as well that you're that are listening to you. Um, you're really just getting to hear the hour that you spend at my grocery store right after going to the gym and, and right before you purchase your alcohol and I'm sitting at the self checkout and then, and we have a, a conversation about whatever's going on in the world usually that day. And, oh my uh, gosh. You wouldn't believe what Nadia did today, man. <laughs> let, let, what did Nadia do today? She's trying to rip off the fries, right, by, by by punching in a fake code, and then it came up, and it said it didn't know what it was. She just tried to add it, <laughs> and then she used her own debit card in order to pay for the for what she had done because she didn't want anyone else to see what she had done on the on the register. What? Yeah, no. I told her that if she was doing anything illegal, I would put her in jail myself. <laughs> <laughs> It was funny. It was definitely very funny to see. So I could tell what she was doing. She just didn't want to deal with putting in the, the whole number on what I was mm -hmm. buying. And so it, it just came up as, as some weird purchase. And I was like, you know what? That doesn't look right. She's like, 
what's not right? <laughs> their debit card hits the button. Everything's fine. <laughs> that is hilarious. That sounds like Nadia. Yeah, she's a beast. <laughs> it was funny today when I came up to her. I said to uh, to her, uh, "How's it hanging?" And she's like, "A little to the left." <laughs> in her case, it's left, uh, middle, and right, but all over the place, man. She's got yeah. everything. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's like watermelons in full bloom up there. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Mr. T, so I, I listened to your latest podcast uh, on uh, on June 10th. Um, I was a little shocked by some of the material there. Yeah. And uh, it made me think of the, the proletariat. So I have this quote that I took from 1984 after um, listening to what you said. So the quote goes, everywhere all over the world, hundreds of thousands or millions of people just like this, people who had never learned to think but were storing up in their hearts and bellies and muscles the power that would one day overturn the world. If there was hope, it lay in the crawls. Right. So, crawl. How do we uh, how do we address? I mean, there are just so many different you know threads all over that uh, uh, that podcast that I just like you know, he's <laughs> just coming at this problem just swinging blindly. <laughs> <laughs> and while I was after I finished listening to that, I went on to Yahoo and I found this article uh, basically bashing the proles. Uh, the main thing I took away from this particular article is that people won't work for peanuts anymore. And then the, the GOP guy comes in and says, these people aren't worth $15 an hour. <laughs> well, right. I mean, that's always been the idea that um, conservatives have used is that the reason these guys are minimum wage and we don't, we don't even need to raise the minimum wages, you know, they're, they're basically worthless and they don't add anything to the, uh, um, uh, you know, they don't add anything to our business. They're, you know, they're, they're just a pain in the ass. Well, in every regard, I mean, I've worked down there with the polls uh, throughout my entire life. They're destructive. They're, they, they, they cause sabotage at work. They destroy the equipment. They steal. Uh, they say negative things about their jobs. <laughs> I wonder who those people would be. Uh, you know, the people that are really doing I just saw, I was reading an article earlier today about... Um, how the percentage of 25 to 34 year old men yes. are leaving the labor force. So um, they're all living at home. So <laughs> it's about 25% now up from 10% are living at home that are 25 to 34. And then participation in the labor force has gone from 98 to 85%. It's got, it's got a slight tick back lately over the past couple of months. It looks like as probably unemployment benefits have, uh, been eliminated from some people but uh i mean that's a i mean these are people in the prime of their lives and um what they one of the things that they stated was for the reason for maybe uh, some of the reason that people are staying at home was uh one was video games which is something you and your people know all about i guess oh, yeah. basement dwellers we know all about that. Um, between 38 and 79 percent of the differential and the decline in their spent on paid work versus um, unpaid work versus older men was video games. And the other thing was pain medication. They said that two thirds of these people 
take uh, prescription pain medicine. And he kind of made it seem like, hey, it's, you know, these guys are in serious health conditions. But my guess is that, as I think I've been saying, uh, I think a lot of it is just drug use. I think um, people in their 20s get like to have fun and um, pain pills have become a super, I mean, they're all, they're too super addictive. So you got a bunch of people sitting at home playing video games um, pumped out on pain medication until their parents kick them out. I, I think it goes way beyond that. I, I think that people are sitting at home and uh, as that documentary beautifully said, crack cocaine, the drug right. of the poor, only crack cocaine can get rid of the pain of poverty. But the pain of poverty has existed for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It used to be you just got liquored up, but now you can just do crack cocaine and it's 10 bucks a rock. Right. Or or you can do uh, pain pills. They're both through the roof. They're hard. To, they're harder and harder to get. At. You know, the last time I hurt my back, uh, instead of giving me pain pills, my doctor uh, sent me to uh, physical therapy because he didn't mm-hmm. want the pain pills. Yeah, the doctors aren't putting them out there. And that's why everyone's getting on heroin and phenytol and everything else. That's yeah. why you see, you know, 50,000 people dying every year from all this stuff. Yeah, because it used to be that if you went to the doctor with any sort of ache and pain or anything like that, like a, I remember when I had my wisdom teeth taken out, it was right away. It was the hard drugs because they knew what kind of pain you were going to be in. And, right. you know, it was like codeine and, and all of those opioids that they're willing to give you. But now it's way 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 back like i haven't had a doctor give me pain pills in the last five plus years yeah yeah i wouldn't think so not nowadays yeah so now even when i go in for ordinary things they want to push more of a medicinal sort of uh like he recommended a cherry uh juice for my insomnia rather than giving me the ambient or the lunesta that i I would have preferred they just really want to get people off of drugs, but people don't want to be off of them. That's the problem. Is they're running into that clash where either they're going to get their legit drugs or they're going to have to go get them somewhere else. Right. Just like you, going to the dispensary. I mean, yes, there you go. That's, that, one- that's where I was there last night and uh, purchased about 40 something dollars worth of uh, of. Uh, medicinal products okay and just for my listener just because they don't know your backstory what is the premise behind you spending uh i'm gonna say around 10 percent of your weekly paycheck after taxes and, and this is just my guess on mm-hmm. on something like this that is not a necessary item in your life it, it's probably less it's only maybe five percent because i probably only buy it every couple of weeks at most okay so i'm not i don't buy it on a in two or three weeks at least um, All right. i'm assuming you're you know you're making around 500 bucks a week minus yeah you know. right so yeah, that's about right. yeah it's that's uh the, the the gold standard pretty much um in all of the the retail industry out there but you know what i was going to say to your argument about those people that are uh joining the workforce in that particular age bracket is mm-hmm. that they were the people that were hit the hardest because my classmates at university we're all working in all of those industries. They were working in the restaurant industry as servers. They were working in the movie theater industry and they were working in industries uh, where it was just, basically they just needed someone physically there. And when the pandemic came around and it wiped out all of their 
they're, they're, they're sources of labor. You know, it hit them the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, and they said something else about uh, the difference between um, college educated people that age and non college aided, uh, educated. And uh, the percentage that were non educated uh, were having an even harder time. Because they were going uh, to fight against teenagers. Um, and that's right. what it's in record employment for teenagers. The highest level of teenage employment in 20 years is what they're seeing. Just because the money's good uh, comparatively to what they could have been making, which is uh, $7.25, $7 which is the federal minimum wage, which isn't the Arizona minimum wage. But still, it goes to show that these uh, these, these kids are, are, you know, are raking it in for the first time in their lives where they just need warm bodies to come into those particular jobs. I wonder what um, caused the, the decrease in teenage um, employment, because for years it was declining. Yeah, it was definitely declining. Kids didn't want to work, but now there's money to actually be made. To work for $7.25 an hour, not when you can get $15 an hour. And it's not like they're going to stay. All the kids that I worked with when I was at Walmart, they were all coming in for very short-term employment. So they come in, they get what they need, and then they get out. Yeah, to, to back up that point, uh, the article said that the increase in um, men living with their um, parents went from 10 to 13% if, if you had a bachelor's degree. But it went from 15 to 25% uh, for uneducated or people without bachelor's degrees. I imagine that has to be, uh, you know, pretty, you know, close to to accurate because, you know, you don't want to report these things to a lot of people are embarrassed about reporting their status, because if anything that we learned from the um, the 2000 election is that we had a lot of closet GOP people who weren't uh, putting out there that they were going to go vote for the guy that could have gotten them canceled. So when it comes to this, and this is uh, my psychology background, is it's hard to tell what, what people are, are really doing without actually seeing what's happening privately in their lives. Because people do lie in experiments to the, um, to the person conducting the research because they just don't want to be seen in that light. A lot of people don't want to disclose uh, just publicly that they're on um, employment insurance because it's looked down upon so hard by our society. Like yesterday, there was a girl behind you when I was standing there and I was talking to you at the register. I saw her whip out her uh, her food stamp card, swipe it really quick, and then just put it away because she was well-dressed. She didn't look like, you know, the down and out people at the bus stops. You're talking about ordinary people who were having to do this. Right, yeah. And that store probably... It's 30 to 50% of the population has, is on some form of government assistance, at least, I mean, probably. Yeah, you see the cards, right? You see the unemployment cards, yeah. the pink and orange cards. I've seen them all the time. Right. And then there, and there are other ones as well. But, um, yeah, and they, they do that sort of thing. People don't like, you know, it's embarrassing for them to, to admit in public, I guess, that, uh, you know. They're using uh, food stamps. Yeah, it's like the same thing that I see on uh, on dating profiles. I spent about half an hour this afternoon on Bumble going through the profiles. And when you half an hour, yeah, <laughs> I, because I wanted to clear them all out because I just I hadn't I've been feeling too depressed to go through the basically the pound of the internet for women. 
And so um, I went through and I looked at all the profiles that were uh, Christian, conservative, and uh, single mom. So that goes to show that there's also a shift there because you would never find a conservative who is a single mom. Not years ago, at least, but yeah. In present day, I mean, the, percentage, the percentage is going to continue to get higher. Oh, absolutely. As, uh, as people see, you know, staying in long-term relationships, again, we've talked about the nuclear family on many times, dozens of times. And when you're talking about conservatives, they don't want single moms representing who they are because they don't represent their values. Right. So did, did you did you read that article I sent you on Salon or from Salon that was no, about I didn't uh, get any messages from you? I didn't get the first message until right now um, oh, no. on Instagram. I kept saying that there were messages there, but every time I clicked on them, it said uh, uh, it aired out. So, yeah, probably because we we weren't following each other or something. I think maybe that was why there were so many technical issues getting this thing off the ground. We spent uh <laughs> For for two, I like to think reasonably intelligent men. We were uh, we were having a little issue there with some. Oh my god! This morning when I was at the gym, I, the uh, the girl behind the desk was telling me that you know I should get a job at Amazon, and I told her it's like I've applied at Amazon IT probably in the neighborhood of five to ten times, and I told her it's like they really want a lot for fifty cents more than they pay the people actually working in the warehouse. And uh, she's like, oh, well, you know, you think you're better than that type of work, right? You know, working in the warehouse. And then mm -hmm. she's like, well, you know, why don't you just set up your phone to um, to let us know when you're coming to the gym so that the gym can auto check you in. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And she just looks at me like, oh, so you're a tech, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it happens to, to the best of us. I mean, sometimes when you have really expensive uh, conferencing equipment. Like we had a room when I was working for the engineering college that, that it was like a million dollar conference room set up for, you know, highly advanced meetings between scientists, between universities. And I mean, we could never get that room to work every time that it came down. And you're talking an entire IT department that had to call someone else every time that room went down because the technology was just beyond our comprehension. And it was simple technology. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't yeah, none of, yeah none of the stuff the the anchor thing is pretty simple I, um i think it, i think it had more to do with just uh the inability to uh like we weren't we weren't connected and so it just didn't want to send messages and things yeah i think it was like trying to keep creepy uh you know stop yeah it, it's you're right exactly it's trying to keep the uh, spam people from uh connecting with you yeah, I mean, the last thing I want is to come on here and get an ad for car insurance, which I get almost every day on my cell phone. That's Even John, just to mock you. Yeah, I mean, every time they call, it's like, you know, I've never owned a car, and yet you keep calling me, asking me about insurance that's going to expire today. And you, know, you can't scare me. <laughs> I'm poor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, I, I just saw this, um, since we're kind of speaking about uh, work still, I saw this, uh, I do a lot of stuff on surveillance, and because I think uh, anything you see in China, you're just going to see like three years, five years later in the United States, 10 years later, whatever. So they have some uh, employee monitoring software in China, 
And uh, it, it does not only like the normal stuff that you would expect it to do, like it monitors like how long you're there, you know, and, and in China you have to work 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., 12 hours a day, six days a week. And uh, they even have a term for 007, which is 24-7 being online so that the uh, computer can check in on you. Uh, but even crazier is they've whenever you get into the uh, the plant or the office building now with this software, you have to smile at the camera. And it's not to, to take your photo or anything like that or to look for facial things. It, it's to make sure that you're happy because they want to make sure that all of their uh, workers are happy. So you've yep. got to come in and show like you're not just giving them your time now and, and basically all of it. But now you better be selling your personality and your soul. Because you have to come legitimately happy because they're going to, you know, because right now it's just like, oh, it's just checking for a smile. But in five or 10 years, they're going to have, um, you know, they're going to be able to look at your facial characteristics. They're going to be monitoring all of your blood pressure and all this kind of stuff. And they're going to know whether you're faking it or not. Well, that's why you have those affirmations on your uniform every day. They want you right. to work, read those things and then feel good about where you're at. When I worked at the Kroger's, I had a manager that came in, their front-end manager, and he said, if you don't start smiling while you're here, I'm going to get rid of you and get someone in here that smiles at the customers because you look miserable when you're here. I know he would say that to me on a regular basis, either smile or you're fired. And that's yeah, just they, want, they want that. They want you to be smiling and happy. Well, I'm wearing a uniform that has affirmations on it. While at the same time, I have no money in my savings account and I know I'm going to die poor. Come on. That's, you know? Yeah, let's take it, take it like a, you know, be, be happy. And uh, because if you fake it long enough, maybe you'll actually think you're happy and won't want to ask for $15 or $20 an hour. Well, if you can't fake the funk, they don't want you there. That's and true, I, too. You know, and that's the thing that I really got uh, hit hard on when I worked at the call center. It's like, this is day one. And my supervisor comes up to me and he says to, to me, why are you wasting my time here? Obviously, you don't want to be here because you have a really negative attitude about sitting here and trading. And I'm like, not only are you paying me minimum wage, but you're asking me to be uh, kind and, and sweet to the customers and treat them with respect treat the other employees with respect when I know everyone in here is about the biggest phoniest liar that there is. And they're like, well, that doesn't matter. You know, we pay you to uh, create an atmosphere for the end users. What you feel about this job is completely unimportant and is going to get you removed from this job. Yeah. And right now they can just kind of guess and and look at you and you know, take some one-on-one -on -one time. But eventually they're going to have these automated and algorithms that'll just be able to, to cull you from the rest of the group that's going to be willing to do all these things. And they're going to get stuck out here in the, in the homeless camps that are just going to be continuing to rise and rise. And, you know, there won't be any help. Like, the, the problem with, It'll be very efficient, but, you know, there won't be any way to get back into the system either. No. Once you fall out of the system, you either are going to get help to get back into the system or you will stay in it for for a decade. That's why there's so many of the same homeless people. I quite mm -hmm. literally, while I was at the university, I saw homeless people around the campus from my freshman year 
to graduation. Same people. Yeah, and unless they get and sometimes it takes years of help. You got to get people off drugs. You got to get people mental health medication. Um, you got to teach them how to live again, basically, um, and fit into society. And uh, well, there you know, was without tremendous of investment, you're not going to get that changed. Well, there was that lady that got released uh, from uh, from death row yesterday. That I was watching that free documentary show, and they had uh, uh, put her in there. Uh, and given her, you know, a death sentence, but it turns out that she was innocent and she spent 40 years of her life in there and she came out like at age 60 and was getting her first cell phone. And I mean, for a lot of people, it, it feels that way for them where they're coming back into a system that just, imagine that, losing 40 years of your life being inside of a cell where you can't talk to anyone, where you're basically cut off from the entire world. You're alive, but... Technically, you you've been dead for forty years. You're just being reanimated. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, that's almost unfathomable to to be able to have to go through that and and uh, yeah. I mean, my feeling on all of these things is I, what you're seeing here is the white power grab at near the end. You know, the the white Republican power base can't maintain control anymore the old fashioned way. Like they can't win democracy. They can't win employment through, you know, you can't, they can't keep wages down anymore because people have kind of turned on them. And it was a long yeah. time coming. It took a pandemic right. for people to yeah. lift their heads. It's, up. So, it's so strange that this seems to have been the moment. I mean, I know a lot of young people, it was coming for young people. A lot of them are, are into the anti-work, Reddit and you know you see a lot of young people that talk to me because uh, I see so many of them because they go through so often you know they didn't they wanted to work with meaning and stuff like that they wanted all the dreams that uh, capitalism promises and they were not like they didn't they didn't understand that the real capitalism that they meet out there in the world doesn't care about any of that stuff real capitalism doesn't like them that's no. what what it comes down to the millennials are hated by capitalism because millennials want stuff they want a nice house they want an electric car they want nice things and when they come out and they realize oh my god this is the best girlfriend that i can possibly get i have to live in this neighborhood and drive this ugly car you know a lot of them will just stay home uh just because they don't want what they can get Right. They were they expected the American dream of every generation gets better. And uh, this generation's finding out that uh, America's collapsing as a nation. Uh, your your prospects are much worse than your parents and their parents. And uh, any children you have are going to have probably less prospects than even you. Well, OK, and this is something this is an example from this morning. So this morning uh, when I was at the gym, uh, the girl behind the counter, whom I often talk to, is very similar to you. Uh, we were talking, and she was she was trying to explain to me or make me understand that, that she was poor like me. And when I asked her, what kind of car do you drive? She said, oh, I drive an Audi, and um, and but it's not mine. It's my family's. And I'm like, so how much do you pay for rent in that uh, luxury condo? Oh, over $2,000 a month. This is the men millennial mentality. It's like, well... I deserve those things, but I'm poor. 
<laughs> it just killed me. It floored me that she had she was driving an eighty thousand dollar car, mm-hmm. but she considered herself poor. No, is that a uh, is that just a middle upper class thing? Not seeing her, you know, not seeing things correctly, or is that a, a generational thing? I think it's generational. I think it's a millennial thing because the millennials want everything. Why do you think Apple is? It blowing everyone else out of the water when it comes to fine electronics. Because the difference between an Apple product and a Samsung which or, or Dell or whatever other product, the millennials want Apple because of the Apple brand. The technology inside of these devices, it doesn't matter. They're willing to pay double just to have the brand. That's true, yeah. So it's the way that you're being portrayed. Uh, and, and a lot of it comes down to these kids look up to influencers. You imagine there was never another time in history where you would go on Instagram and see people uh, riding in airplanes in first class and driving these cars and flashing their cash. And they're like, you know what? If I can't have that, then I'm not even going to try. Well, you know, the, the wicked... Uh, according to the Bible, the wicked will transfer all of their wealth in the end times to um, to uh, good people. And so I think that's where some of these crazy Republicans... Uh, I, I was looking at this really strange article on Salon, and it was talking about how um, it, the wealth of the wicked is magically transferred to believers. And it's just like... It, it, only in America can you get the prosperity Bible to go, that doesn't go far enough. Not only do you have to be prosperous and rich, and you have to, like these new Republicans who are taking over um, in in office right now, they all stem in this ideology. And the ideology is, you have to, it's dominionism, and you have to take over all of the government. You have to take over all of the businesses because they're so corrupted by demons and evil humanists that if we don't take over, um, you know, the the end times are, are going to take over. So, well, I've got my Jewish space laser ready. I've got it, you know, warming up right now, just in case. Italy and the um, Jew space lasers, uh, you know, if you've got those two things, you have, you have all of the uh, votes in Arizona, apparently. You can oh flip God. them any way you want. Did you see that quote this morning? Oh, my God. Uh, based on that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay, so this goes a lot, a lot. Uh, okay, so the beating heart of the GOP was to embrace ex-president Donald Trump's lie that he actually beat President Joe Biden and to use that then as an excuse to change the laws. So further on, it goes to say a clown with a flamethrower is still a flamethrower. reference <laughs> to <laughs> To the way that they think about these people and and the election fraud, especially since Arizona is under, you know, it, it's under the microscope right now because people right. they're actually having tourism coming into the state of Republicans coming from other states just to see our audit. That's embarrassing. To see how good the audit is, like it, it's so horrible, and then all these other places are going to just take over and use the same silly ideas. And that's because they know they can't win votes. So the whole goal, I I just watched last night, uh, Rachel Maddow's and her whole basically episode was covering stuff like this, like intimidation, like 
following uh, poll workers home and SUVs. Um, you know, they got the county commissioner in California in one of their big counties to quit basically because uh, he was an Asian American and they just made uh, racist attacks against him, calling him, you know, that he worked for the Chinese government. And so they're just going after every group and every level. Not only are they doing it federally, they're doing it at the superior court, the Supreme Court, they're doing it at state and local levels. And they're, they're just going to get rid of democracy one little, you know, one little chink at a time. Oh my gosh. In the same article, they've got uh, billboards like uh, billboards on the backs of trucks right now. And they've got Jeff Bezos face and on the side of it says, text me if you can exclamation point. (laughs) He'll be on the moon soon. So (laughs) just funny. I couldn't believe it. It's um, you know, the, the worst part is people are acting all surprised. You know, by all of these changes, people are actually surprised. Yeah, they're they're acting outraged. It's like, oh no, you know, they're trying to change voter laws. Guess what? Guess who rigged the system from the very beginning? You go back to the founding fathers, and the system was rigged against anyone that wasn't wealthy and white. Even poor whites knew that. You know what? Something's wrong here. You know, we're not getting rich. It's the, those British people that came over that were already rich that just came over here and took everything over. You have very, very few self-made people in this country, and yet they pitch that to us, that being self-made and having money is something that everyone can accomplish. And I'm like, that's not true. There's multi-generational poverty in America because the system began. The slate was wiped clean when they came to America. They wiped out the, the actual owners of the land. They brought in their wealth. They built their plantations. And then they just continued the system over and over and over again. And the people are, how can this be happening in America? Just because of the indoctrinations of things like capitalism into children from the very moment that they enter the, the school system. That's mm-hmm. uh, that needs those people to be able to read and write and believe in capitalism. Well, and all of that is just the the golden years of the 1950s to 1970s. Like all of the uh, all of the old exploitations are justified by that. Well, remember we had the middle class in the 1950s. Uh, yes and no, because uh, as I was watching all of these programs, at just in the last seven days. Is that when you got to the 1950s, all of your scary minorities started coming into the places that you had been building for the last 75 years after the um, the Civil War and uh, Americans, white Americans, of course, started building the cities. They started building New York, L.A., uh, Detroit, you know, big prosperous cities. And all of a sudden you have the scourge uh, of of colored people and uh, poor people who wanted to come in there and share with the white people. But the white people just like said, you know what, this is the 1950s. If you guys come into our areas and start taking them over, we're going to feel unsafe. And bam, 1950s, white flight. You have the wealthy neighborhoods that are outside of the inner city. And the inner city just turns into ghettos and projects and places where where you don't go anymore because they're they're scary. Right. And then you have the, the right wing attacks that are basically, well, you have, 
now you have a, an inner city run by blacks filled with blacks and it can't perform, but that's yep. because it's yep. not the melting pot left and it took all of its wealth and it made sure to uh, redline everything. And, uh, you know, that's why you have continued problems in the inner city because of all the white people leaving and not, um, you know, there's no money left for schools. There's no money left for, you know, maintaining the streets. Even the water supplies, the rich took the water with them. And as I was telling you, I think it was last Saturday, they took the trees. <laughs> they, right. took, they took our trees. They took our good water. I mean, look at the, the, the conditions in Flint. The reason why Flint has that horrible, polluted, lead-infested water is because the, um, the executives at GM didn't want the water supply that was the clean water supply coming into Flint because they needed it to wash their cars. Well, that's why the entire water industry is uh, for sale right now. Water is going to be the big thing in the coming 20, 30 years. Well, yeah, I heard um, just in this week that they're uh, thinking that they don't need the Hoover Dam anymore. Because there's not going to be enough uh, water for it to hold ba hold anything back. It, you can't run those electric turbines with uh, uh, with happy thoughts. I've tried it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, what did uh, Courtney used to say? The um, uh, animal, or what did she call it? Um, that new age thing that she was always talking about. Um, the uh, magnetism or you can just no. will stuff into yeah well it was a belief in like you know it's just the power of good thoughts you know if, if you think happy Man thoughts, manifestation it's manifestation yeah something to manifest. that yeah you just manifest good things to happen in your life and and she was the last person in the world that i would think would understand that this could possibly be true since her family had had such a rough time <laughs> Yeah, if you could just uh, write something on a piece of paper three times and it would happen, I think we'd all be uh, we'd I all mean, be in a little different place than we are right now. That's what happens to you at work, right? You read your your affirmations on your uniform, and all of a sudden things get better. You know, think you start seeing the world through rose tinted lenses. Every moment before I uh, punch in, I make sure to read that little manifestation. Oh, goodness. <laughs> you sit outside in the Kroger's meditation room in the parking lot. Right. <laughs> I'm a good person. Good things are going to happen to me. I'm worth it. <laughs> then you take your 32-ounce bottle of uh, Gatorade that's empty, and you know what to do with that. Yeah, it's like, what you know, here's your 15-minute uh, break. <laughs> here's your 15-minute <laughs> Make sure your urination is there. Yeah, we need to see the color. Make sure you're happy. We don't want to see any of that dark stuff in there. Right. Nice, clean, living. So we look in the bottles, nice and clear. Boom. Thumbs up. You see some of that dark stuff in there. We're not sure. And if you're staying hydrated enough at work so that you can do your work with a positive attitude. If, if you were just more hydrated, you wouldn't need $25 an hour to live. Yeah, because you would just uh, be filled with God inside of you. you know, that's what you just really need. You just need more Christianity. You just need more Jesus. And I'm surprised that these corporations don't just adopt Jesus as a corporate spokesman. I, you know, I think certain segments of our 
Republican uh, politicians, I think they really want us to do that. And I think they're looking for ways to slowly get it in there. I mean, this is going to be a slow process over years. The, the handmaid's tale that, uh, that government is coming in, you know, when they get rid of Roe versus Wade next year, uh, I think it's in October is when the Supreme court's going to hear that case. And you can bet it's gone. Oh, absolutely. With Amy, uh, Coney Barrett. Right. Uh, did you hear that, that weird, uh, sex cult or, uh, Yes. The cult that she was part of? Oh, my right. God. This morning, that's, see, like, that's what I'm talking about. Is like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I just bought a book. It's called The uh, the Family. And it's the, the people who do the um, prayer, the breakfast prayer every year, the presidential breakfast prayer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they run this thing. And uh, they are spooky and crazy. And once I get finished with it, I'm going to uh, loan it to you. You can have it. Uh, but I mean, there are so many weird cult like, like all these dominionists, these, um, uh, I can't remember what the other name, they had some other, like, a apostolistic, what was the name of that, uh, searching for it, but whatever it was, it was, they're just all these insane Republicans who are coming into being, I think because, you know, they think it's the end of the world. Oh, it's the, the new apostle. Apostolic Reformation. I don't know how to say that word. Um, but they're just there's so many crazy Republicans who believe wacky stuff that's that's really far out there. I mean, there's only one way that this QAnon thing has been hitting the Republicans so hard. It's because they're grasping at straws at this point to maintain power. Right. And so when you don't know why this is happening to you or what you can do about it. You're just going to go out there. You're going to go out on the fringes of the Republican Party. And, uh, and, and the worst part is that we'd like to think of these crazy things as being fringe ideas, but they become mainstream. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. I mean, and, you know, they just kicked out that guy. Uh, the guy that opened the door uh, at the, uh, the Capitol riots. Mm -hmm. that uh, I think he was a senator from Oregon or a congressman from Oregon, and they voted to, to boot him out. Out of Congress? Yeah. Like the U.S. Congress. Wow, okay, I hadn't heard yeah. anything like that. Yeah. A, they, member, a member of actual Congress was, was uh, booted yeah, out. Yep, because of, oh, uh, wow. yeah, and I know you never see bipartisanism on something like this, but even that was too much for them. So, right. Yeah, they they kicked his they kicked him out. Now, now was that done at the state level or was that done by Congress? I think it's done by Congress. Let me just bring it up on CNN. I saw that and I was like, holy crap! I mean, they yeah, have gotten rid of a uh, um, what's her name, uh, Marjorie, and her crazy the laser. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Green. Yeah, they they had it up this morning where they were talking about that. You know what? Opening the door to the rioters and endangering people finally pushed them to that edge where they're going to um, push him out. He was you on the thing that I mean, most of those people were in physical danger. Had they had those rioters gotten through to to the uh, representatives, they would have strung a few up. They would have beaten and and certainly oh, the yeah, Democrats. They would have if they had gotten there and they had been there. If those cops hadn't basically formed a human wall around them to protect them. Oh, the chaos would have been incredible. Right. 
I mean, you could decapitate basically the head of, you know, most of the uh, leaders of the United States that way. I mean. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there could have been some serious. It could have been known in American history as a massacre. Right. Instead of I'm just surprised, a riot. I'm surprised that those Republicans are taking that lying down. But I guess that Mitch McConnell has gotten to them and he's explained the situation that nope, you will never win another presidency if we're going by popular vote ever, because we're not going to change anything that we believe in. And we're going to, we're going to let the 40% of the people who are starving and, and uh, homeless in this country, uh, we're just going to let them continue. And uh, we're just going to take our billionaires to the moon. And we don't really care about democracy anymore. No, they, them caring about democracy was always just a facade to maintain power. It was never about actual democracy. It's never been about it. It's something that they gaslight the American people with uh, just in case you need to fight a war. You know, patriots right. go and fight wars. If you're the oppressed guy that's working for minimum wage, what incentive do you have to go to Vietnam? I can't think of one. Exactly. Neither could Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Nor could uh, what? What was the guitar singer guy that uh, did the same thing? The right wing guy, uh, I don't uh, cat scratch fever guy. I have no idea. Cat scratch fever. Let's cat scratch. Cat scratch. Well, I think he. I think he pooped his pants in order to um to get out of. Uh, going to Vietnam like he didn't bathe for three weeks or something and hey you know and, you've seen those movies man <laughs> full metal jacket and um what was the other one uh lord uh apocalypse now Ooh, right. you, know, you don't want to go there <laughs> yeah I'm not going there <laughs> I mean even Forrest Gump couldn't put a, a nice spin on Ted Nugent <laughs> Ted Nugent right <laughs> He looks like a patriot to me. <laughs> he's a he's a big patriot. <laughs> Except for when it comes to actually defending his country and you know not when it comes to actual danger, you you know how many right. patriots you have, you have. It's like you know what, um, you know, let's just send all our poor people over there. And again, you know, uh, the big incentive for sending the poor to to all of the wars has been the GI Bill. And now um, I actually saw an article just uh, right before we came on that this um, uh, this loan forgiveness uh, program that they, that they keep trying to push and getting so much pushback on the main group that it would help is people over 50. That's crazy. Oh, <laughs> you're telling me, I mean, by the time you're 50 years old, you, you should be uh, eyeing retirement, not figuring out how you're going to pay your student loans. Right. Well, I mean, it took me till I was about 50 to pay off my student loans. I got to uh, to 26, I believe, before I paid off my student loans from the first four years. And then you, you get out into the workplace and you, you settle in and then you get hit with a 2008 recession. <laughs> right. You're out there again. I mean, uh, just like right now. I mean, uh, I I have no idea what all of these... People, especially the kids that I 
um, that I went to school with, you know, the people that I graduated with, that still depended heavily on the, those sectors of society that may not come back. Because, you know, if you're a waitress and you depend entirely on your physical appearance to make money and then that industry goes away, it's not like you can take the skills of being pretty just anywhere. Right. You can you can get a job as a bartender or a, or a, on OnlyFans, but uh, that's about it. I mean, I even think that it's super competitive just on online because um, I think I was telling Stacy this the, uh, the other days that, you know, just because you're, you know, you have the face doesn't mean you're going to bring in the money like the um, the Twitch streamers, the, the hot tub Twitch streamers right now. Right. You know, they're making a ton of money, but um, but the, that platform doesn't want to be full of young women asking the simps for money. Right. There, you're only a, there are only a few that can really do that and get away. Most of them are going to make like a hundred dollars a month or fifty dollars a month. They're, yeah. they're like most YouTubers and most podcasters. The you know the average YouTuber makes you know a dollar fifty a month, and the the average podcaster has to pay three dollars a month to to have a subscription to uh, Anchor.fm or something. Well, and that's what people don't understand. I mean, everything about doing these things costs us money. I mean, we're providing YouTube and the podcasters free entertainment, and we get nothing out of it. I mean, right. think about what we spend compared to what. They spend, they don't pay us anything. And it's, again, when you talk about things of this nature, it was designed that way. It was always designed to use people as free labor. Because if the right. corporations love anything more than the minimum wage, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> it's free. You know? That was, you know, I just read an article the other day that was talking about the end of free. And it, it was talking more about how you know, in the beginning of the internet, you had all of this uh, investors' money, and they had done, you know, all, Facebook and Twitter and all these things were free. So, you know, you signed up, Gmail was free, and it was unlimited photos and unlimited, um, you know, they didn't put, they didn't charge you anything to use any of their services. And now Google has taken away free Google Photos. So you got to, you're going to have to pay for it if you want to uh, save most of your videos. And, and uh, pictures, you're gonna have to pay for more Gmail storage. You have to, you know, all of these services are now. It, you've got all the, uh, you know, you can donate to YouTube and get the YouTube Pro, and so everything's starting to charge now. You know, and, was, uh, but but what they're still doing is they still get all of the, all of the information from you for free. So all of your data points they use to to sell you. Yeah, that's going to say tell you other things. They get for free, and then they get the free entertainment that the content creators are making. See, the the point of making services free is that you send that disclosure, that a hundred page disclosure that says we're going to data mine you, and we're right. going to very pointed ads at you, and we know what you like, we know where you are, and we know what you do for a living, so we know what your income bracket is. So they know everything about us. So it's like shooting fish in a barrel, you know, when it comes to advertisements. Right. And you, you have this, you know, capitalism is kind of converging on supply and demand. So, so that you're going to be able to, the people who sell you stuff are going to be able to know on demand, not only what you want, but they're going to know before you want it. And they're also, 
now they're moving into basically using carrots and sticks to direct your behavior. So before they would just predict your behavior or, you know, they would sell you targeted things. But now those targeted people realize that they have the, the ability to actually change your mood, to change, you know, to change the direction of your your behavior so that you're going to want to buy more stuff, the stuff that they're going to sell you. And it's only going to get even better and more precise as the years go by. Why do you think you have to listen to that delightful music all day at work? It's about getting the people in to feel right. good at the second they come in so that they'll, you know, open their wallets a little more than they would if they felt bad when they walked in. And that's something that's hard because this uh, sort of mentality has had to switch online uh, to places that we go to in order to shop to make ourselves feel better. That's what Amazon's business, I'm sure, is at least 25% of just people doing retail therapy because they okay. feel good. And the way that you feel good is by getting junk every day that you don't need. I mean, my house is full of junk. Is there anything more exciting than waiting for that Amazon or UPS delivery that checking your, oh, it, 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 now it's in Fort Worth. It's just two days away. You know, and every it, day you've got some new thing to get. T, it's gotten worse than that. I mean, you have, I literally sit at Amazon when it's showing you the GPS of it going through your neighborhood and the truck <laughs> dashes by your house and I run outside. It's like, where are you? And then the, uh, the Amazon ninja, all of a sudden, you know, I, I check my emails that your package has been delivered. I'm like, what? How did it get here? I've been listening at the door for three hours. But <laughs> zigzagging your neighborhood. And I mean, that's how much they know that we like receiving packages. They will literally tell us where that Amazon truck is. And I can sometimes look out my back window here in my kitchen and I see him out there. And he's delivering packages at the buildings of like right down that way. And I know my stuff's in there. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. Especially the last thing I, I ordered from Amazon was my tripod for my camera. And this was about three days ago, I'm going to say. And the guy, I was watching it, watching it live. And all of a sudden, boom, the screen goes empty. And he had already put it in front of my door five minutes before. Oh, I'm so angry. <laughs> I've got to get Amazon to, to deliver me a uh, a microphone holder, like one of those arms that you. Oh yeah, like the one that I got right in front of me right now. <laughs> well, well, I'm not seeing you video live, so I'm, I, I can only hear you. But uh, so I've got to hold my I've got to hold this microphone, and boy, that's annoying. Oh my god, yeah, my boom mic it extends out to the middle of my desk, and sometimes I put it up here, sometimes it's down here, sometimes I have it out there. Yeah, but this little arm, it was like seven dollars or something, and it's. It's a lifesaver because it just clamps on right here next to my desk. And then I've got my lighting up here on the other side of my third monitor. So, And are those things like universal? So if I buy one, it'll basically fit any microphone or? Uh, it comes with an adapter. So if you have one of the ones, like the ones that you have to hold, you put it inside of the adapter. It's kind of like a sleeve where you put it in there. Mine actually mm -hmm. screwed directly into my microphone. Like it had a little thing where it just went exactly where the, the tripod that came with it, the little little stand. I just got tired of the little stand because it blocked my my path to the keyboard. So if I was uh, searching for information while I was live streaming, it really got in the way. Also, uh, when I was doing live drawing on YouTube, it got in the way big time because then now I had to put it in front of the drawing paper and then I had the tripod and the lighting. It was so cramped in here. So 
Yeah, so everything that I have now, my lighting is now on its own same thing. It's on its own arm behind uh, behind my monitor, so I can just bring it up over. Uh, the tripod now sits uh, behind the, the monitors, and I can bring the camera out over and then shoot straight down. So, and all of these little gadgets, they're very inexpensive because they're made, you know, where? Right. Our good friends in, uh, in, the, in China. Okay. Uh, speaking of what you just said right now, why do the Democrats keep saying our friends on the right? <laughs> I don't. That's a good question. But when Mitch McConnell comes out and says it's the end of bipartisanship, you should take him at his word because, uh, you know, he's a jerk and he he means it. I mean, look at Obama. They basically uh, took his nuts, put him in a vice and just let him be president for six years without being able to do a damn thing. Right. They didn't do anything. I mean, remember the the, the hype around change and and, and getting Obama into the presidency, how much the Dems were like, and we were all, even I fell for it, that, you know, he's going to finally change things and make things right for the rest of us, for us non-white people. And uh, and then he came and he went, and it was just like, you know, America was ready to get rid of the black guy in the White House. And all of a sudden, you know, they voted in the most toxic, piece of crap GOP could possibly run. And I mean, we had people that were running for office like uh, like Ted Cruz and this guy stood out from that. Right. <laughs> I mean, when you looked at the lineup of the, the GOP potentials for president, there wasn't anything good, but they actually went out of their way to pick the worst of the worst. Yeah, and there are a couple of reasons, I think, that they chose the worst of the worst. One of them... Uh, if you want to give any Republicans any credit ever, is that they stopped believing in the system and they wanted somebody outside of the system that was going to come in and blow everything up. And yeah, that worked out great. That works. Yeah, that works. And he did go in and blow a lot of stuff up. Like he crippled, you know, agency after agency, you know, so that the government doesn't work very well. I mean, he was basically turning America into Russia. And at probably Russia's behest. Yeah. I mean, they called him, uh, what, what was it, the Manchurian candidate? Manchurian candidate, yeah. Yeah, because he was, I, he was precisely what Putin wanted. He wanted, uh, he wanted unrest in America. He wanted minorities to feel like what they really were. He wanted someone to come out and say, we hate people of color. And that's exactly what Trump came out here, and he did. He destabilized the country in basically the last year, entirely. And that way they can, uh, once the country is destabilized, you can just you know, take apart all of the institutions of the country little bit by little bit you don't have to like you don't have to pass a law that says it's illegal for black people to vote but you can make it as difficult as darn possible i mean you can make it so that even once the votes are counted that you can you can just turn that vote off and say nope you know what we're not going to count any of these votes that's exactly i think trump himself was shocked that all of his underhanded dealings didn't work like he really went to town on dismantling I mean, remember when they were picking up the voting boxes? Right. You're like, and then slowing down the post office. I mean, he literally threw every monkey wrench he could into the system. 
And then when he still lost, he was like, there's no way. I rigged the system so hard in my favor. There's no way I lost. <laughs> That's the only shocking thing was that uh, uh, a few Republican court appointees decided to stay loyal to the United States. Oh, and yeah. that's kind of shocking. Yeah, if the Supreme Court had come on, out in his favor because of intimidation, if they had been intimidated enough, Trump would still be in office right now. And uh, Joe Biden would be in a Russian gulag at this point. Or he'd probably just be falling down some stairs somewhere. But That, and, you know, if they're going to take out Joe, they're going to have to take out uh, AOC and the squad, too, because... If I, if I can think of any more anyone more dangerous in the in the Senate or in Congress right now, it's definitely minorities with progressive values. Well, they're, they're the only ones that have any progressive. Uh, the moderate Democrats are frightening to me. They're they're worse than Republicans almost. I, I would say actually they are worse. Like our our nice senator Kristen Sinema. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's useless. Like, what do you, what do we need a uh, Democratic senator if you're going to, to vote against everything the Democrats are hoping for? It's just a ploy, just to take the uh, the seat away from someone else that would actually want to do things to help society. Um, like that, what was her name? Nancy DeVos in uh, is the Secretary of Education. Why would you put someone into office like that? But they were, I mean, they're trying to destroy government. They want the government to be destroyed. They don't want it to work well. They don't want just people complaining about, oh, the government doesn't work. They want to show people that the government doesn't work by putting in people who are incompetent. Well, they did a damn good job of it. And then once you get the government not working, so you can't, you can't ask the government for any help, then you're, then you're just individual people out there and that's where capitalism can prey on you because, you know, if you're not together, if you're not doing collective activity, then you have no chance. You have no choice to just take those $8 an hour jobs because uh, the government cut off all of your benefits. And now they're saying, you know, get to work. You know, we've talked about this many times, but they just need to bring back the workhouse. This is where we're moving to. This is where our society sees itself, where you make it illegal just be honest. to have uh, work. And I mean, it's not like they're 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 trying to hide the fact. And I've said this many times on my channel alone: is that if it were up to the Republicans, there would not be a minimum wage. Yeah, that always fascinates me when people say, "Well, you should get rid of the minimum wage." And then you want to pay less than seven dollars an hour to people? Like, what do you expect them to I'm do? Like, who are who are back these workers that are going to work for five dollars an hour? If they could go back 400 years and adopt the model that made so many Southern people wealthy, they would. You know, the, the way to make America great again is to go back to their roots. And like, how do you think we became such a powerful country? We had slave labor. Let's just go back to that. I mean, it worked. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you get free labor. <laughs> that's, that's very it cheap. You know, that's the, the worst part is that if the North hadn't become so technologically uh, superior to the South because of the South's uh, lack of innovation. You know, rather than developing the, the tools of the industrial evolution, they're just like, we just get free labor. It doesn't right. matter. <laughs> you know, we've got more hands and technology, so it doesn't matter how 
uh, how much your superior technology allows you to cut down on labor costs. If our labor doesn't cost anything, we're going to keep doing the same thing. You know, it's not hurting us one bit. Uh, it would not surprise me in the future if we get to something pretty darn close to those kinds of things. Because if you, in a few months, if they really do let all those people uh, lose their homes, lose their unemployment benefits, lose their food stamps, and all that, and you see eight or ten million people out in the streets. The only thing that they're going to be able to do is like, well, look, we'll all you can all get a a place to live at the Amazon condo. <laughs> yeah, give it a fancy name like the Amazon Villas in the back. But yeah, there, it'll be something fancy like that, and you can you can live there with with your bunk mates because we all sleep in one giant gym. Oh my God! You, you imagine having the um, the Amazon favelas where they show you like a beautiful swimming pools and. You know, your housing is taken care of and the show like Jeff Bezos preparing meals and you get there and it looks like a dystopian world <laughs> behind, the, behind the, the warehouse where people are like, you know, sitting there in raggedy clothes with a, with a stick holding a hot dog at the end of it. <laughs> it's just an open air tent that has like 800 oh, not, beds. It's not even a tent. It's just a, it's like hundreds of little hobo fires. And people and, and huddled dirty people uh, waiting for the buzzer that tells them that they need to get back to work. <laughs> right. No, well, that takes a few years. The initially, you'll start off with an actual like football stadium looking thing, and then they get cheaper and cheaper, and it's just like a you know, it's just got four posts and a, a roof, and then then they're like, well, why put the roof up? I mean, it's already open aired anyway. And the worst part is they have security there. <laughs> well, you've got to yeah, you know, you've got to. Go through security to get into work because they don't want you bringing any knives. Yeah, and you gotta, and you're gonna have to take 15 minutes before your after your shift ends without pay to go through their machines again to make sure you're not taking uh, a deviled egg or anything. You don't want you having too much food. You don't, you don't want to cause fights out in the back over you having a, a hard boiled egg because right. you know, the smell might carry it in the wind and other hobos might. Remember, uh, did you see The Walking Dead? I have, yeah. Okay, you know how the zombies, are, you know, they put their faces up in the air, you know, when they're listening for, for activity? That's how right. those people are going to be out. It's like, oh, that person has a can of Vienna sausages. We better, right. <laughs> we better go over there and see what's going on. That to me is hobo food. A boiled egg, uh, a can of Vienna sausage. <laughs> it's ready to oh, eat. That's right. why it always kills me when so many people donate uh, canned food to hobos. It's not like they have a home to take it to. But, like, where are you taking, yeah, how are you eating that up exactly? <laughs> oh, I've got another jar of pumpkin pie mix. <laughs> it just kills me when you look at, at what people donate to the homeless. It's like, really, pasta? <laughs> You're going to donate dry pasta to the homeless? It's like, like we've talked about before. Now, if it came to the homeless's pets, bam, the donation oh, well. show up from other countries. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. <laughs> Here's some dry pasta. Uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> I, you know, our country has fallen. Uh, there's, you know, we're, we're, we're in the collapse of industrial society, I think, in this country. Absolutely. And, uh, you and know, you'll I, see, you, you see like a lot of... Like you can't buy dog food anymore or cat food. And I don't care about dogs, cats. I hate cats and dogs. And I, 
Um, I have no problem saying that. But I have so many customers come through and they buy like chicken and they'll buy uh, food that's designed for humans because they're like, well, first of all, you can't find any dog or cat food because the productions have have, uh, have uh, stopped working. Or, you know, the food that they give you is so bad. It's just poison that they've, um, you know, round up from China and sent over here. I think that it's just it's just one of the ways in which the decline can be marked. Like there's, there's just so and and of course, all these dumb humans are spending tons of food, or tons of money on food to feed these ridiculous pets that they don't need in the first place. Okay, just a reminder to my to people who are watching my uh, my live stream right now. He works in a store and he sees this every single day. This isn't something that he read on the internet. He is no. live watching this day in and day out of people spending good money on human food to feed their mangy animals rather than helping people who actually need that help by providing them with something more than canned beans. Right. And and it's the same people who would who would who are infuriated that people receive um eight dollars an hour to to work at jack in the box the same people who are you know upset at uh, any sort of government handout are the kind of people who are like you know making these gourmet meals steaks and and chicken and things like that to to feed these and then they bring their stupid pets into the store with them so they can take a shit everywhere oh take a piss everywhere <laughs> That's on Man. top of it. They bring their animals into the store so that the employees have to clean up after the animal. Right. They don't. They just leave it wherever it falls. It's up to the people that they don't see as people. And this is what really kills me. It's like uh, this morning there was a an article about it, someone who drove up to a McDonald's um, and didn't like the service they got. So not only did they spit in their face, but they shot them. You're like... Okay, you know what? I can understand. Okay, you, you know it's it's the McDonald's food is is nasty, but right. to take it out on the person that works there, come on, man! You know what you were getting when you pulled up to that drive-through. You weren't yeah. getting good food. You you knew that what you were gonna get is crap. And when you don't like it, to take it out on the people that are wearing that uniform, that's just seriously. It, it every time someone abuses someone wearing a uniform. For minimum wage it just it hits me so hard because i've been there so many times myself that you know it's not like we want to work there right so the, go ahead and then they always like well you know there's there's just get yourself another job oh yeah yeah this is like i said before you know i got told when i worked at the kroger's this is a job for a retard go find yourself a real job so you can get yourself a car and a home you know how many times i've heard that it's like well, well, you know, why don't you buy a house? You know, buying a house is a great way of increasing your wealth. And you just look at them like, are you stupid? Do you think if I had the money to buy a house that I would be wearing this uniform? What's wrong with you? You can't tell me. You can't give me financial advice uh, when you know that I'm making the minimum wage. And then when those people decide, well, you know what? I, I'm going to take your advice. Uh, I'm not going to take the $10 an hour that... Uh... Um, you're offering, I'm going to ask for 15. I'm going to ask for 20. Uh, I'm going to sit out and, and take unemployment while, uh, while I can. And, and then it's like, well, then they just do the work of all of these 
um, large corporations and the ruling class ideology, and you're just like, oh, well, you, you just don't want to work. Oh, of course not. Every wealthy GOP conservative person just looks at, at poor people. And what have we heard for years and years and years is that if you don't want to work, then you deserve to be poor. You deserve not to eat if you don't want to work. But what happens when I'm working and I still can't afford to eat? You know, at, at that point. And that's what, that's what people have finally understood is, you know, there's so much wealth and productivity in this country. And they look around and go, but I, I have a nickel left over on Thursday. You that's know, how am I supposed to get through this? Why, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this to myself? That, right. That's the hardest part that people don't get. They think that by you putting on that uniform, that you're being responsible, that you're not getting, you're not taking a handout from the government. But the fact is that corporate welfare is ensuring that I can wear that uniform. Because if you held the people responsible that now have to take care of us, because the food stamp program wasn't created for people who weren't working. It was created for right. people who were working and the people that employed them didn't give them enough money to eat. So someone had to step in and it's always the federal government that has to step in and say, you know what? Walmart won't pay its employees enough money so that they can eat, but we need them to keep working because we need them to keep paying taxes. So we're going to, we're going to feed them so they don't die so they can keep going back. And that's what happens to a lot of people. I, I stayed at Walmart for two and a half years knowing full well that no matter how many times I came in and I checked the schedule and I had 19 to 32 hours every week that that would never be enough for me to have even a little bit of savings for a rainy day. There was no such thing. The rainy day would destroy me financially. And, and the truth was they could always pay because here they are now desperate for workers. And you see the, you know, the uh, increases in hourly Wage labor have gone up the past couple of months, like the two sharpest months in, in years. And you're you're seeing you, you saw uh, Chipotle raise uh, their uh, wages to fifteen dollars, and they said, "Well, we have to now. We're going to have to raise prices." And they raised them four percent, which you know takes your eight dollar um, burrito to like eight forty or whatever. So people aren't going to notice that. So you could have been paying all these people at least a a, a reasonable, it's not really a reasonable wage, like you've said before, but you could be paying them something other than just poverty wages with just a few percentage points increase in the prices. So it was never about that. But T, where did the poverty uh, wages start? The poverty wages aren't the, the, the federal minimum wage. The poverty wages start way up higher. Oh, the I mean, the 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 poverty level for a single person i think is $13,000 a year and that's the which, federal minimum wage right there that's the federal right which is yeah. insane yeah. Would, you know no one could get by on $13,000 a year i mean i just put up a video that uh, where the uh, that billionaire said no one can get by on $30,000 a year and we really can't in america nope because uh, $30,000 a year after taxes would be something like 16 or $17 an hour. And I assure you, the place that you can afford to live on that kind of money is not a place where you want to live. And you have all of these GOP people, like they were just making fun of Mike Pence 
uh, just yesterday, in the last couple of days, the news cycle has gone through and said, oh, Mike Pence just bought a, a $1.9 million mansion. It's like, so what? All those people do that. Do you know where Mitch McConnell lives, where Nancy Pelosi lives, the money that AOC now has? Uh, these people up there, they get to enjoy their lives. And then they come out and they attack us for the generous unemployment benefits that they're giving us. They're like, okay, if $300 is generous, why don't you take the $300 and give us what you make? You know, that would be a lot more generous of you. I don't think we'll ever see that happen. No, why? Because power creates more power. The power that they have to tell us that this is the way it's going to be ensures that the system will always be healthy for the people uh, that make the rules. And that's the hardest part is that uh, over the last year with the rise of the BLM, people are trying to say, you know what? You don't represent us. Your wealth insulates you from the problems of average Joe wearing a McDonald's uniform. You know, you don't want anything to do with those people. You don't want them in your neighborhoods. You don't want them talking to you. You don't want them interacting with you. The only time that you need those people is when you need them to provide a service for something that that you need, whether it's house cleaning, whether it's landscaping, whether it's putting the can of overpriced food on the shelf at a Whole Foods. That's the only time that you ever um, want to acknowledge that they're around, but having any interaction with them whatsoever. I mean, think about the thousands of times just you at work where people don't even want to look at you. And you're working at a self-checkout. Right. So it's it's just a matter of us and them. And it's always been that way. But it seems like in the last year, the brutality and the insensitivity has been turned up to the point where we feel it now actively. Yeah. Well, they have to because too many people are withholding their labor. And that's creating real shortages in the labor market. And that for the first time frightens the ruling class you know they they don't like the idea that people are are catching on and it's a lot of people just sort of individually i feel like coming to the same conclusion that you know this just isn't worth it anymore why am i going to work hard 40 hours a week if i'm not gonna get anything out of life yeah and, and, and the the worst part is that it, it hurts you so much at every level and i mentioned this on my channel i mentioned it on the podcast before but the physical effects of that type of work are just extraordinary and and i've said this uh so many times but as a person that's going back through the healing process of all the damage that uh that walmart did to me especially to my psychology my hair fell out i mean the amount of uh of things that were just happening to me, just being in that position of wearing the uniform were astonishing. I'd never seen myself, uh, you know, fall apart like that. Like mentally, if you thought I was depressed now, not, not being able to, to, to eat or look people in the face, uh, be treated uh, uh, with such disrespect by both management, customers, and the other employees, it was brutal. Well, it's it's about externalizing all those costs. That's why the market doesn't always reflect what the price of something really is, because it's it's really a, it's it's excellent at externalizing all those costs. So all the costs that you are bearing, like 
the wear and tear on your body, they don't pay you at that 15 or $10 an hour. You're not being paid to recover from that. You're not being paid in healthcare and you're not being paid in rest or time. Uh, and you're not being paid uh, monetarily for having your body go through all these things to have all the sleeplessness, to, to work the crazy hours, the open and then the close. Um, so they do all those things to keep that labor cheap. And then it, you know, you so they go. We can't. You know, you're cheap labor because you're easily replaceable. But they're not really even trying to pay the full amount that you're worth. No. Uh, and the thing that gets me the most is that they're well aware that if you're working six days a week and you have one day off, like I had for years, you have one day off. During that one day, you're going to try to do as much as humanly possible to separate yourself from the uniform. And mm -hmm. even at that. You know, you it feels like you take it off for one day and you feel lighter, but the, the fact that you're going to have to put it back on in less than 24 hours, it really tears at your psychology. Well, I work six days a week usually, and for the last 13 years, I would say altogether at least 12 of those years, I worked six days a week. Like today, I have two days off, and, and that's why I was able to do this podcast today, because if it was just the Sunday that I was going to have off, you know, you're you just don't have the energy to think about what, because the thing you're thinking about right now is I got to go to work in 12 hours or eight hours and it's a miserable job. And so at least, you know, I have tomorrow off as well. So I'm not thinking, Oh, you know, I'm just thinking about the work that's coming, the alienating um, soul crushing type of uh, activity that you're going to be engaged in for the next 10 hours. And that's again, what it comes down to the, the same, um, gosh, I wouldn't even call them interactions with other people. I would say just passing yourself off as being uh, sort of, and I hate to, you know, and I don't ever mean this to be a derogatory term for you. The NPC that you see in video games is the perfect example of what they really want to be in that mm -hmm. position. They want someone that smiles, that greets the customers, that provides them uh, the sense that, you know, I'm here to to provide good customer service when the reality is that none of that is true. It's a facade that you're required uh, to participate in every day at the most minimal uh, of, of human interactions. And that's the thing that I learned that was the hardest for me uh, when I worked at, at Walmart is that everything that I, I did with the customers was very shallow, right down to the have a nice day, sir. Right. Well, you see the way I interact with my customers. 90% well, of them don't get that I'm just being completely 100% fake. Well, I've even seen the way that you interact with the other employees. It's completely mm. fake. You don't give a crap about, you know, how they're doing or what they're doing. Or, or that joke that you try to make about single moms the other day. That guy was like, don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I really get that, that everyone there is of the mentality that, the phoniness of the environment kind of bleeds all over the situation. Right. Like, there, well, there are a few people that uh, I like and and uh, don't mind engaging with, but, you know, 90% of the like people. Don? Hmm? You mean like Don? Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> For all of you who don't know, this is a universally unlike person in this establishment. <laughs> No one likes this person, and she doesn't like anyone else, and she's not even a little bit uh, trying to hide the fact that she hates everyone and hates being there, like me. Yeah. 
she she bought me a packet of pens today or yesterday um because i i grabbed a packet of pens and uh i'd forgotten mine and of course i mean fries doesn't provide you or kroger doesn't provide you with uh a pen or anything to do your job so i i bought and they were like eight dollars and i was like you know what i don't want to pay eight dollars so i just said nah screw it and uh so she went and bought it and brought it over to me. And that's because like I give in to her all the time. She's always like, can I be, you know, on the self checkout instead of a cashier? She doesn't want a cashier because we don't have any baggers ever. So there's no one to bag her stuff. So she doesn't want to do that. It's harder work. Yeah. I, I couldn't see that. I mean, I, when I had to bag, it was usually, I would bag for the cutest cashier and not bag of for course. anything else. <laughs> that sounds like you. <laughs> You probably just hang out with all the like 18 year old cashiers. And then, uh, you know, there's, there'd be some poor 50 year old man like myself with his back curtain and, and he'd be like, boy, she's got, she's got two items and I've got a full cart and you're just like, yeah, you can bag that yourself. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. You're good. That's what I used to say to me. You're good. You're golden. You're golden. Lady. Give me the thumbs up. Right. Oh my God. The male cashier used to absolutely. Ate it when I was on uh, in the morning because um, there wasn't anyone else. They usually just have one bagger in the morning, and um, or no, they'd have two because one would always have to be outside in the parking lot for the half an hour car pushing shift, and then they'd be like, "Oh man, I got the guy that doesn't bag for men." (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah, it was a great (laughs) eight. He may he may own a pair of pink socks, but he's still not looking at me. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. It's like, you know what? It's just not going to happen. Like this morning, the, the girl that at the gym, she's like, I thought you were like 29 or 30 years old. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I'm definitely not that old. But uh, I remember uh, the guys at work would always tease me for coming into work and looking, you know, looking polished. And then they, they'd be like, well, why do you look like that? It's like, yeah, because you know, you, you want to you know, comb your hair, you know, clean your clothes, you know, maybe put on a, a little, you know, deodorant every once in a while. When you come in and you look like a, a slob, everyone else notices. And that's the thing that I never understood about minimum wage work is that people just want to show up just looking rough. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you once you begin to hate your job so much, you just stop caring, stop caring about your own appearance. And uh, I mean, I have, uh, I have like five shirts and five pairs of pants that are exactly the same. Yeah. And I've watched them so much that they've turned gone from black to like I don't know purple or something. Uh, they're they're not black anymore because you you bleach and and wash them every day. And uh, I'm like, you know, I I could have gone today like. W- like what you brought up when you first uh, started the podcast with me, you know, you went and spent $40 on uh, some weed. Uh, you could have spent that $40 on a pair of a uh, new, you know, black pants, a new black shirt, and you'd look a little more polished at work, but it's like putting lipstick on a pig. Um, you know, <laughs> there's, there's no hot milfy 45 year old mom in her minivan with her six kids. Who's like, Oh, the, I noticed that the self-checkout guy's got a pair of new Sure, a, you know, a new pair of pants on today. He's he's looking good. Uh, you know, they're just they're not look. They 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 swiped left on me. Okay, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna stop you right there. If you just put on 
just the uniform and nothing underneath, no one would even notice. Right. <laughs> all the employees in the store, if that's all they wore, was just the uniform and absolutely nothing. Uh, you know, maybe they gave you a plastic bag, one of the company plastic bags to put over your crotch. But if that's how the employees are walking around, no one would even bat an eye because no one notices anything yeah. having to do with the employees. You're just, okay. you know, they're just there. Um, right. that, that's why I don't worry too much. I'm like, no one's paying attention or noticing me any, so I don't care. That's a really odd thing to do because when you uh, work in an office your whole life, it's always about buying new clothes because people notice in an office when you come oh, yeah. And oh, you, start, you wore that same shirt twice this week? Yeah, I've actually had that happen to me. Where they're like, oh, you just wore that on Monday and it's Wednesday. You're like, well, why don't you have new clothes? And it was a constant. You know, you constantly had to be like, there were professors while I was at university that never wore the same outfit twice to, to teach a class. They could be able to afford that. I hope so, because you wouldn't believe... And this actually happens to minimum wage workers that uh, that move up into positions. Uh, and I get, I'm saying moving up is in a lateral move to positions mm -hmm. that require them to look more uh, professional. But the wages stay the same for them. Right. Well, I mean, if you if you become a uh, manager at uh, Kroger, you go from, you know, you get an extra dollar an hour, but then you're you know you're supposed to wear like slacks and a dress shirt, or you know, if you're a woman, like, uh, you know, whatever. Ca you know, casual wear that women wear to all the office. You know, they expect you to wear stuff like that, but you get the extra dollar an hour to cover all that. Yeah, it's you know, you wouldn't believe the percentage of your income that just goes to to looking professional, from haircuts to grooming. Uh, you know, just overall, just to look professional is very expensive. Especially when you're on the low end of the uh, pay scale, like most minimum wage workers are. I mean. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. All of those things. And that's why some of them give up. Like, you know, they, you know, if you, if I went and got my haircut every two weeks, that's $20 every two weeks. Well, that's $40 a month. And we are not even, you know, including like new shoes and new pants and new shirts and all these other things. Um, it takes a, you know, 10 or 20% of your uh, income to look professional or look nice at work. Well, then they're, they're just going to buy cocoa pebbles and sit at home. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, when it comes down to it, it, at least for me in my experience, and not, I'm not talking about your store, but I'm talking about in my experience, is that you see sometimes the employees literally wear their same work clothes till they're falling apart on their oh, bodies. Yeah. yeah, it happens. There, there are three. There's a, a few at least in my store that um, they're not even trying. Like you know, stuff's falling apart on them, and they're just like, "Yeah, I don't care. It's work clothes. I don't care." Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw that a lot. And I thought that would have excluded management um, while I was working at, at the grocery store. But when I would ask management, why do you look like that? And they're like, I'm not spending money on this job. You know, mm -hmm. you're like, but you're the, you know, you're, you're what's considered uh, responsible for this place. You know, when the general manager isn't here and they're like, that doesn't matter. The customers don't care. And obviously, if the general manager isn't telling me I need to dress nicer, I'm just going to wear whatever until it falls apart on me. And then I'm just going to replace it with the exact same thing. Well, like I said, in some cases, you're only making a dollar extra than the, the people that you're in charge of. So, you know, you don't really have any 
ability to even do so. Well, it's something that you, I think you mentioned yesterday was that, uh, or, or even today, that the pay increases that you have gotten in your in your position don't reflect inflation. No, I mean, I've worked there for 13 years and we'll, we'll keep it real and I'll violate the social norms and tell you exactly how much I've increased my pay. In 13 years, I started at $10 an hour. Uh, and then I'm now up to fourteen eighty-five, I believe. So you know, you get four dollars and eighty-five cents over thirteen years. Do the math on that. That's uh, it's not very much. No, it's not enough to to justify uh, the other expenses because, and this is something that I talk about with some of your other fellow coworkers, is that they don't even take into consideration the other aspects. Uh, the fact that you have to. Uh, find transportation to get there, whether it's your own vehicle or using public transportation, that's also consuming your income. And, and your time. I mean, it takes me, you know, anywhere from half an hour to an hour and a half to get home, depending on what the buses are doing that day. And so you get an hour there, half an hour there, and, and then another hour on the ride home. So, you know, there's 10 hours out of your day. Yeah. And they don't compensate you for that. It's no, no, that, why would they? At the university, the guys would always laugh that um, they started, they were on the clock the second they got into the parking lot because they'd get into their work vehicle. So it's like, okay, since I'm in my work vehicle, I'm on the clock. And that's uh, that's not something that we can do when you work in retail. The, the One of the most damning things that I experienced in my first uh, 4A into retail was the fact that the time clock was such a little beep, beep, beep. We didn't have that when I worked in an office. People would come in, you know, late uh, on a you know pretty regular basis, but it wasn't like they punished you for it. It was like, oh, you know what? I was just running a little late in traffic today, and that's why I'm 10 minutes or 15 minutes late. Like, yeah, they it, weren't abusing it. It would be five or 10 minutes. Yeah, and you just say, it's like, oh, it's traffic. When you have a time clock, it is literally there counting like the three minutes or four minutes that they would give us that we could be past the hour before we were uh, flagged as being late. And that counted as a strike against us uh, that would lead to termination. Right. And they not only that, but like we don't get paid. We get paid on the quarter hour. And so I can work till 5.07 and um, not get paid. So I could clock in five minutes early. They love to let you do that. And you could leave... Um, seven minutes late and you won't get paid for any of that yeah oh i remember that it's like oh why don't you just clock in early You're like why so you can get seven free minutes of labor at the beginning right. and seven at the end yeah like wait a minute how does that benefit me it doesn't yeah. <laughs> it doesn't in any way but they do push it on you like i remember oh, yeah. was very keen on it. it's like oh you're already here just clock in they're like wait a minute but that clock starts at seven minutes and you want me to clock in exactly the second that I can't get paid. Not a, a minute before though. No, no. So yeah. And, that you know, and then it's, you know, five Oh three and no one's rushing around to find your replacement there. You know, well, you've got four more minutes before we have to pay you. So, you know, that that's your time. So we don't really care. We we're not going to be in a, in a real rush to make sure that uh, we can take care of you on your oh time. My God. And that was something they really frowned upon when I, uh, upon when I worked at Walmart is if you get to the end of your shift and you just don't care, it's like, if my shift's over, I'm leaving. If there right. was someone there to replace you, you didn't leave no matter what. 
And and if you tried to lose, like we would have a few employees there that would be like, you know what? It's uh, it's five o'clock. It's time for me to go home. At exactly five o'clock, they'd swipe out, and then you wouldn't see them anymore. And then the next day, you'd come in. It's like, you know what? That person that was supposed to come in uh, to take over for you never showed up. And they're like, you should have stayed. And they will make you stay. Oh yeah. I mean, how many times have you come in for a four or six hour shift and like, hey, can you you know be a team player and stay an extra four hours because so and so isn't coming in today or they don't feel well? They always make up some excuse for when they need you. But if they if they're slow or if they're running again on a skeleton crew like they've been running for the last six months, you know, they push you out the second they don't need you because they don't want too many people there. Right. It's always, uh, it's never like, oh, you know, we noticed you only had 25 hours this week. Uh, don't you want more because, you know, we're looking out for you. It's never, no. it's always about, well, we don't need the hours this week, so goodbye. But if, what if, you know, every day they ask me to stay late or every oh, day. Oh, yeah, that was a problem for me for a while is that every day and um, towards the end, towards the last two months that I worked uh, at the Kroger's, I was already in school, so because I left in November and I went back to school, of course, in August and I had homework to do. So I'm like, you know what? I'm only working these four hours because I got to go home and do my homework. And they're like, well, you know, so-and-so decided not to show up today. You know, can you stay? And if you don't stay, they will punish you the next time that you need hours. They're like, remember that time you didn't stay? Well, guess what? We're not offering you anything. It's very vindictive. Oh, yeah. Just want another way to make sure that they have control over uh, these workers that uh, don't have any control in their life. Well, that and they know that their workforce, especially on, if you're an older worker like us uh, that has the, the responsibility of, of rent and, and utilities and, and real bills, they know that we're the most vulnerable people in the workplace, even though we're making the exact same money as the person that they deem as not being reliable at all. Right. So uh, I felt like that's the only reason I managed to stay that long is that, well, you know, you know, he's not the best worker. He's not real happy working here. He's rude to the customers. He's rude to the other employees. He's rude to management. But we know we got him by the short hairs. Exactly. So we can uh, we can squeeze that a little while and yeah. uh, keep him around if we need to. Because today I walked in uh, to your place of employment and uh, I was talking to Nadia and she's like, oh, yeah, the uh, the job fair, you know, rounded us up, you know, a few more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jay is not going to become a cashier. Ooh. Yeah, because they got uh, two or three more courtesy clerks uh, in the front because of the, the hiring fair. And when your right. hiring fair only brings in four or five new people. Was it really that successful? <laughs> I don't think it was. Yeah, it didn't seem like they hired very many. They're, su they're supposedly trying to hire 10,000 new people, uh, you know, uh, company-wide. But, uh, you know, who knows how many they even came close to. Which, you know, brings up the point about um, labor unions and how bad ours is. Because here was the time to actually strike. Because they can't fill, you know, they can't even fill the 10,000 jobs they need that are open, if we go on strike, they would have had to have actually paid a little bit of a raise this year, I think. Yeah, because uh, just in this last month, I was just reading this morning that uh, they needed 8 million. They had 8 million people who didn't uh, have jobs in uh, in May. And that, uh, that number went up by another million people. 
because um, in the last four months, I believe both Amazon uh, and uh, Walmart both said that they were going to uh, look for hundreds of thousands of new employees. But when you walk into these establishments and you look around, it's like, where are all these people? They're all part time and they're all minimum wage and they're transient. That's the hardest part is that they're very transient communities because out of the four or five people that they hired at your store today, some of them aren't going to be there next week. Oh yeah. At least one. Yeah. And, and that was a lot of it is that when they hired new people at the Walmart that I worked at, you know, they'd come in and you keep hiring and hiring because uh, at Walmart uh, it's all online, right? Just like with most corporations and they would make resumes. It was, almost on a daily basis you back then right you'd have people would walk in and say hey are they hiring and the management would be like just put in an application and what they did is they just pulled down applications it's employees left they just pulled down the applications in the system and then just keep hiring from the application so they always had like a stockpile of applications just ready to go yes yeah so it wasn't like those signs um, that they have outside on the doors. Like they've had one outside of your business or your place of employment for years. And so they just take applications. And I, it, it's funny yeah. because when I got hired um, at Walmart. Uh, I came in and uh, the uh, the general manager of the store is like, oh, you know, you, you just showed up. You know, someone just quit. So, yeah, I got a job. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like filling a real job, you know, in a real job, you're actually going to go through a selection process. You're going to go through interviews. You're going to go through HR. When you take a job at the bottom, it's like, oh, you want to come on to the crew here? We'll just put the chain on your ankle here and you can be part of our chain gang. Right. Well, I, I was somebody was telling me about what the process was for getting a job at Amazon because they work at Amazon in the warehouse as well as here at the Kroger. And um she was just like, yeah, you just fill out the application online and then you show up and then you get the job. That's all you've got to do because that's how many, that's how desperate they are for uh, workers. Yep. And uh, guess what? If you don't meet your metrics within a few days, you're gone. Oh, they, yeah. They, they're ruthless at Amazon. They're far more ruthless than even um, Kroger is in terms of, I mean, they're going where, where surveillance capitalism is headed to with, you know, all the things that they do to monitor how many steps you take, how long you're in the restroom, all that sort of stuff. It's, it's just going to get much worse. Remember my video that I made last week about um, how Jeff Bezos wants you working different muscle groups? Right. <laughs> Have you felt that way? Have you ever come into your place of employment like, you know, today I'm doing legs at work and as an industrial athlete? That term just kills me. You know, we've got our industrial athletes lifting 20,000 pounds of, uh, of materials at work. On top of that, we have them working 13 miles uh, a day. And on top of that, we want them having seven plus meals a day to keep up their energy. I mean, they literally, it's like veal. You, know, you just shoved up the feeding tube into your, into your warehouse workers. Like, well, we need to keep you fueled up so you keep, can continue this ridiculous pace of work. And the bottom race to, um, or the race to the bottom here, when it comes to what they let employees do now, in terms of you know you're you're just doing the things that can't be automated yet, and so you're doing the just the worst grunt work possible, and you know it it's just shocking to me that these people still don't get that you know 
when you when you talk about things like walking 13 miles that sounds like somebody who lived in um like 30,000 years ago in yeah you had to walk 13 miles to chase the ostriches until they finally collapsed and then you went and, and murdered them and and brought them home well you know and you would carry them on your backs all the way back and it would be like well what are we like we live in the 21st century and we're still doing all this kind of stuff and it's getting worse you know They've literally turned the uh, the evolution of man back a few centuries. They dialed it back. It's like, now you're going to walk this much. You're going to lift this much. You're going to need this much nutrition because we don't want you dying on the warehouse floor and having the other employees having to walk around your corpse. And then ignore it. <laughs> of course. You know, it's like you gotta keep working or else we'll get in trouble if we look too long at our dead coworker that now has flies in his eyes. Right. Yeah. You've got to explain the extra seven steps that you had to take to go around the corpse. Well, remember that week, Bob, it was the corpse that was uh in the way. That's why I kept taking those seven extra steps on there. And you know what the excuse would be from the executive that comes down and looks Step at over it. Just step over the body. <laughs> Just roll Don't walk the around it. <laughs> If, if you just walk over it, it's a, it's one or two steps. Yeah, don't go around it. That's seven steps. If you just cross over it, it's two. <laughs> and don't Jump try to over. talk to him because you know that's going to hurt your metrics too. It's like if he if he if he uh, is uh, hurting his own metrics by dying on the warehouse floor, you know he's going to get fired. <laughs> He they, may be they, dead, but we haven't fired him yet. He's still warm. Turned off his little orange button or his uh, orange light. It's off. <laughs> he's been relieved of duties. <laughs> but he's not fired yet. Yeah, he's still he's not fired water. yet. We're pretty sure he quit. We do not want to pay this guy unemployment insurance. <laughs> the only he quit. <laughs> That's how the, the these corporations really see us. It's like, uh oh, this one quit. You know, you may have a. Uh, had a horrendous injury at work, but no, this person quit. But they said they quit. And you're like, you know what? He can't walk because the injury that he got at work or when the injury goes to the extent of being injured to death, uh, he, he still, you know, he still brought that on himself. He shouldn't have had a heart attack at work, even though he's in his late fifties and he has pre-existing conditions and he has COVID and he's still at work because you won't give him the time off. I, I can't tell you how many times like everyone gets injured and you know they they talk about America being a litigious society but you know I I pulled my back out once mopping and uh, I mean for years later my back hurt like in terrible pain and I never sued the company I never even brought it up didn't go see a doctor or anything you know you just you, you just dealt with oh it was like oh well here's another terrible thing that happens to you when you're working some crappy job and you just keep going either you keep going or they find someone else Right. Yeah. If you can't do, I've been told this many times before, uh, while working for the minimum wage, is like if you can't, if you tell me that you physically can't do this job, I have to find someone else. And uh, you're thinking about collecting unemployment. You know, if you leave that way where the job still needs you and you can't do it, we're just going to say to them, it's like, well, he quit because uh, he didn't want to work. Yeah, he didn't want to live up to the standards we had. Yeah, and the standards are just too high. So, Indeed. yeah, it really comes down to uh, what they expect 
for the industrial athlete to do and what they can actually do for so long, it conflicts with human life. Like when you talk to some of those people that were anti-union at Amazon, you can tell just by the way that they're talking about the corporation that they've had too much corporate Kool-Aid. Right. Well, they, they love to just indoctrinate you as much as they can. Amazon and Walmart are the worst at uh, just filling your head. And the problem is, is too many people who are in our position or, or you know, the, the low-wage workers or the, or the people who are just above the low-wage workers, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, they see all of that as a problem. They see, uh, you know, you, all, all of you people who don't have any skills are asking for more money, but I barely make more money than you. So, you know, I can't really support that because then you're making as much money as me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you better just stay down there and just keep your mouth shut. So I'll just do the corporate work for them. All that corporate stuff that they tell you about, no unions and, and all that kind of stuff. I'll just spit it out to you. You know, I'll post that stuff on Facebook. And I don't think they realize that, uh, you know, uh, a rising boat of the lumpen proletariat getting a few dollars gives everybody a raise well I, I mean they have to make it appealing enough in order to keep the proletariat interested because if at some point and and this is actually happening in real time right now as the proletariat seems to be turning their nose up at it and they just cannot deal with that fact they want things to go they want us to forget what we understood happened during the pandemic they want us to uh to completely erase the fact that we were getting livable wages while we weren't working and that they could afford it and now they want us to go back to the way that the system was and accept the fact that that system could not be changed like there was no way of physically ever altering the model of labor that it just wasn't conceivable right i i wonder if do you think that the people that the real people like the lumpen proletariat that you're talking about do you think that they really sense that that they that they're changing in other words that they want to change key in all or, or do you think or do you think that they're just like do you think because uh, most people are just get like the conservatives are going to say these are a bunch of whiners yeah i've um, heard that many times actually use that word these are the whiners that you know they 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 think about going back to their jobs and they think about they, well you know this job hurt me so much that i have uh post-traumatic stress syndrome from thinking about going back and working in a job where i know i'm going to get hurt physically physically harmed by all of the pitfalls of working in that place because as they mentioned you're talking about slippery floors you're talking about angry customers you're talking about the other employees you don't realize how dangerous the other employees around you are until they show up uh, with weapons at your workplace and they start taking out people that aggression takes time to build up but it's in it's built right into the workplace which leads me to i think we're going to start wrapping this up but i want to know uh just and i've been curious about this for a long time are there topics that i bring up in your workplace that you feel uncomfortable talking about i'm sure there are um nothing is like coming off right uh right to mind as we speak but um, okay. 
Because I've noticed that you tend so. Oh, probably. I mean, if you bring up like BLM and things like that, people are going to have issues. Um, we get a lot of a uh, lot of customers who are going to be like, you know, they're going to be some that are going to be pro BLM and that sort of thing, and then there'll be the customers that are, you know, so against it. You're mad. So some of those kind of things might get. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that there was because anytime I uh, I mentioned joining your brother's team, uh, it seems to, I can tell that it causes you to tense up. Oh, so, you mean my brother's team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you talking about my uh, pro white power brother? <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anytime that I sort of bring it up and I always bring it up like uh, incognito right because I, I, I actually want to see the, the reaction that you get because I can tell that you look around and you want to make sure that there's not a certain demographic around before you say anything I've seen you do that several times where you're like wait a minute you know he's talking about this I better make sure there's uh, no one with any pigment in their skin around before I answer this question <laughs> The you're sun. able to, yeah. You have a darker skin color, so you're able to say some things that uh, me even just me listening to some of the things that you say means that somehow I'm in trouble. Look at that white guy listening to what that brown guy is saying. He's not saying good things, maybe. Hey, you represent whitey, and the whitey's keeping you're, me down, man. <laughs> and or when you do that, that's hilarious. We'll be like, whitey's keeping me down, and, and I'll look around and like the white people will be looking at me like, aren't you going to say something? And I'm like. Person of color in their place, Whitey. I mean, you're like, well, first of all, we we do put them down, but I'm just not part of that white gang that gets to put anybody down. Like I've like I've always said, I'm bad at being white. I'm so bad that I got kicked down to being a you know a, a lower class uh, minimum wage slave with the rest of you guys. Yeah, but but the way that I see it, the only thing that I see when I look at you is your whiteness. So when I think you know, of the, the you know the man Whitey keeping me down, I look at you and I see you as being the man keeping me down. Right. So when I, I wear a white, if I wear a white uh, dress shirt, I can't. Everybody walks up to me and says, "You're uh, you're a manager," uh, and I'm like, "I'm not a manager," and they're like, "Yes, you are," and I'm like, "No, I'm not." And you think, "Is it because I'm wearing the white shirt?" Yes. I'm like, okay, it's just a white shirt, bro. <laughs> I'm not the manager, <laughs> bro. I like that part, bro. <laughs> The last time that I used the word bro in a, at a Kroger store, I was like, bro, we're stepping outside. <laughs> <laughs> we, get, we get quite a few of those customers, too, where you have to take them outside. But uh... <laughs> Well, I just noticed that there were certain topics that caused you to tense up. And every time I call you whitey or the man at work, you you instantly look around and see if there's other white people that got your well, back. The white people that we have here... Uh, you know, I can't tell you how, like, they're all, you know, right-wing, crazy Republicans who hate the, I can't tell you how many guys come up to be like, I can't watch basketball or football anymore, David. Oh, I'm sorry, Romeo's T, like you're, like people don't know who I am by now. And they'll be like, um, and I'll be like, why? I'm like, and they're like, oh, because, you know, they put a knee on the ground for two seconds before the game starts. And I'm like, okay, all right. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information. But, uh, <laughs> You're just supposed like, to be just as offended as they are. Oh, I'm so offended by the fact that some guy was like, please stop shooting black people. What am I opposed to on this? Remember what Donald Trump said about the, yeah. the NBA when they put their knee down? It's like, what did he call them? A bunch of beep, 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 like things that get me demonetized on YouTube. Right. <laughs> he literally put people of color in their place by saying that. That's you know the that's where we're going. 
a lot of these white people, I think, are just uh, they're waiting for the uh, race wars to start. So I think they already started in some ways, but I mean, like they want they want shooting in the streets twenty four seven. Do you know how many mass shootings we've had in the last twenty four <laughs> hours? <laughs> I was shocked. Really I love it. Like it's Chicago, it's Orlando, it's uh, um, what was Austin this morning? I'm like, you know, if you want to know where people are angry, that's the mass shootings. And yet, every single time, CNN this morning, it's like, oh, you know, gun control. Ah, you know, uh, it's it's you know, people of color killing other people of color. We're still not interested. When those people of color come into our neighborhoods and they start killing whitey, then, you know, all of a sudden it's going to be a, a different deal. They're going to start, I don't know, maybe put a dome over the, the projects or put a <laughs> dome over the inner city. Something. Well, they'll build a wall for sure. Well, they tried building the wall. It didn't work. You know, the, the man of color is still seeping over through the cracks. <laughs> Yeah. The but, you know, eventually these Republicans are going to learn that they're going to have to use all this migrant workers because Americans aren't going to go back to work. And, and, I, and I think they're going to try, you know, right now they're going to try the, the stick and see if that works too. Cause oh, yeah. really desperate. I felt uh, exactly that. That's exactly the image I had in my head when it's like, you know what, we're just going to cut off these slackers, these no good nicks these people that want to take advantage of the working class of people, we're going to put pull the stick out. I mean, the first 25 people to pull the stick, the stick out are going to be the GOP governors. And we're just going to do it because you know who we're targeting. You know exactly who we're targeting. We're not targeting you, Whitey. We're targeting all of those people with color in their skin. All of those people, you know, get back to work because uh, we're taking away your insurance money. And it, that's always the way it's been. I mean, how many times have you uh, heard the GOP use the, uh, the what was it, the welfare mom or, uh, you know. Welfare the, queen. Yeah, the welfare queen. Yeah, that's who they, they, they brand us all as. Oh, the welfare right. queens want more money for free for doing nothing. And then you look at what they actually get inside of that, that those so-called welfare programs. Like here in Arizona, I mean, and we've talked about this on many occasions. For the past 16 years, a welfare queen got $214 a week. I don't know how that welfare queen is not a welfare uh, hobo. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she invested it all in Google at, at an IPO, and she's just rich now because of all that free welfare money. Oh, yeah. You know, the welfare system, oh, man, it's so bloated. All of these hobos living in their mansions on the taxpayer dime. You know, and they're, they're free food. Oh, come on. You know, we got to get them working in the places where they can't afford to eat. <laughs> I wonder, because you've got two tracks right now. You've got the track where they're kind of slowly raising wages to, you know, what they think is living wage, $15. And then they have this whole Republican-led you know, cut the strings. Let's get rid of all the benefits. Let's get rid of everything. And I wonder which track they're going to take. And and I wonder in a few months when everything's up, what track that takes. I mean, in, do you see in the next couple of months, like the possibility of real revolution or the real change? Or do you just see no, no, American, no, no. they just let the migrants come in and they cut everything off and then now, listen to this. Okay, so this is what happened. Uh, we all ran out of the enhanced unemployment benefits uh, in, in July of last year. So about a year ago, 
No, they said no to the enhanced unemployment benefits. Right. Well, 10 million people fall into the worst poverty. Right at the, the second they cut those things off, you have poverty in America rose by a substantial percentage. And we're talking about third world poverty for Americans. And the way that you saw that most clearly was the mile long lines of people at the food banks for Thanksgiving. So right. they knew very well that they were putting all of these people out. They had to put in the, uh, the CDC uh, uh, blocking uh, evictions. And then things went back to normal for us in, uh, in December. Uh, when they brought back something. Remember when Trump was uh, was hospitalized with COVID? And he's like, you know, you got to give people money. You got to give people the stimulus. And then in December, they right. finally signed something to give us back a little something. It was only for, I believe, like 75 days because then Biden got into office and he had to extend it for another. He was going to extend it for six months. But that loser from West Virginia, Manchin's like, no, I'm not going to sign anything if it's for six months. I want it for five months. And that period between August and getting uh, something out to the people in December was brutal. I assure you, uh, by the time I got to October, there was no more money for the rent because I had managed to save up a lot of what I got in the uninsurance benefits. But mm -hmm. by the time I, I got to October, all of the, the money that I had saved was gone. But a lot of the poor people were spending it, like I mentioned yesterday to you, is they were right. blowing it. They weren't, they, they didn't see the, the, you know, the end uh, being as close as it was. I knew that these GOP people were going to do this because they had been pitching to us for the last six months prior that everything was going back to normal. It's like everything that you hear in all of the uh, the news media right now. You know, Joe Scarberry said it on MSNBC. Jake Tapper said it on CNN. All of these political commentators are pushing that, uh, that propaganda onto the American public that everything's okay. Well, at the same time, they are on purpose, the general media is right now. They're hiding the fourth wave in India, in Japan, in uh, Argentina, in Africa. They're, because they're, they want us to all go back to work. They want to gaslight us into believing that we're going back to normality. We mm -hmm. know that the uh, the COVID version of the Indian, the Nepal version, which they're calling the, the mixture of the, um, of the Indian variant and the UK variant, is here in the U.S. and already the numbers have gone up. But again, the media coverage is minimal. I have to dig for it on Yahoo News, and it just comes up as one little news article here and there. But again, um, they, they're pushing that narrative that everyone has to go back to work, everything's normal. And if you look at one of the uh, uh, the top excuses for, for why people aren't returned to the workplace, is because they know that they can still get sick at work. I mean, we talked about this this week. Uh, as well at, um, at your workplace, of course, um, that the people that have some of the highest deaths in the in the country were the people that were cooking our food in the restaurants, the cooks, the the cooks and the line cooks, those people that couldn't get out of the way. Right, they had uh, rates that were higher than nurses and doctors, which was shocking when I first read that. Yeah, and that's the but it makes sense because they're they're trapped in that little room. There'll be five, six people cooking, and they're you know you've got no ventilation and. And the worst part is they can't leave. You know, right. when you lock those people into those positions, there's no, you know, uh, OSHA saying, you know what, you need to open a window here. You need to uh, socially distance. There was no social distancing. The, the reason we got wrecked at the call center where I was at at the beginning of the pandemic, because we were all squeezed in there shoulder to shoulder. 
There was no way that if one person came in with COVID that he wasn't going to infect the whole line. And then, of right. course, you know, they would come back. Someone would come back healthy and would come back in and a different strain would come back through through the area again. And this one's going to be pretty bad from everything that I've read The uh, when the Indian one gets here because Pfizer and Moderna, neither one of them really protect against um, that that fourth uh, variety. Well, that and they've already announced, and I, we talked about it this week as well, is that the Chinese virus, the, the Chinese vaccine uh, is pretty much a placebo and so is the Sputnik V version of the uh, the Russian one as well. Right. That that didn't shock me that neither one of those countries managed to get it correct. No, because, because they we... weren't they weren't interested in that. They were they just wanted uh, propaganda. Mm -hmm. And what do they do? They hide their numbers. Every one of these countries that's hiding their numbers, you're like, you know, you don't hide your numbers unless something really really bad happens, and you don't want to scare the public. It's the same thing that Donald Trump. You remember when he was talking to that guy? You know, it's like you know, this is really really bad. But how much of that information was hidden from us? Yeah, I mean, he they they've got him uh, talking to people, saying re and realizing, oh, it's bad, and then he would come out the next day and say, everything's fine. Get back to work. Get back to work. Inject yeah. yourself yeah. with some bleach. You'll be fine. <laughs> and, and that was the, the most comical thing. It's like the the GOP has become the, the party of we're not for for science. I mean. Um, What's her name? Uh, Taylor Green has come out and said, uh, just in the last couple of days, I don't believe in evolution. <laughs> I was like, you know. That's a right? The, the Earth is also flat. And uh, I mean, how do you become such an ignorant party and think that you can maintain control when you know the vast majority of your people? You know, a lot of people, just like yourself, you know, everyone has some college at this point in life. There are very few people that think that they're just gonna take on the world without going to college. Even if they don't finish a degree, they're still gonna go. And these are educated people. They're not you know, a bunch of people that you tell them that, you know, Jesus is coming. I mean, Jesus is always coming for some reason. <laughs> for the last 2,000 years. Yeah. Well, she's, she's so dumb that she thinks that Italy has spy satellites. I mean, Italy has a space program. <laughs> I mean, I think about that all the time when I think of, of the, the Chinese rover up on Mars right now. It's like, really? <laughs> <You know? laughs> the United Arab uh, Emirates launched uh, some kind of probe to Mars. That blew me out of the water. I was like, is it that easy now? Everybody can do it? Well, they are a wealthy country. So uh, they are. You know, um, if you look at, uh, at their cities, I mean, I feel like the, those part like Saudi Arabia and, and the Emirates, you know, the United Emirates, they have so much money that they just, they're like uh, the, um, what would you call it? Uh, just the people that show off the money, like like pimps, you know, that have like the, the, the gold rings and the necklaces, like Mr. T, right? They, they just go around with a lot of bling on, but there isn't a whole lot of substance. They have these cars painted in gold and they've got diamonds, but then you look at, it, where the wealth is concentrated, and then everything around them is just literally sand. That's funny. I mean, yeah, what other kind of country would have the audacity to put vending machines with gold bars in them? <laughs> the kind of country that in a desert, you know, has uh, uh, an ice rink, and uh, they had all sorts of, they, they built islands in the desert with filled with water. I mean, <laughs> 
Yeah, that's just someone that's trying to impress other people with their wealth. You don't actually have actual, like, you know, societal wealth. Like, uh, that's the where the place where America really takes it from the rest of the world, is we have societal wealth. Most of us can't touch it or, or see it, but we see, you know, New York City, and we see places like Seattle, and we see places where, you know, you see a, a modern society. You don't see that anywhere in the Middle East. I mean, some of the footage that I, uh, I saw yesterday uh, of the Indian hospitals being overwhelmed by COVID, these places look like they were built a hundred years ago, just straight up, just concrete walls and nothing. They're, they're, you look inside, there's no technology inside of them whatsoever. Right. Well, it won't be too much longer before we join them. I, I feel like we'll have a, we'll have pockets of uh, Metroplex filled with college graduates like yourself and a few others. Um, and then, you know, they'll all live nice. And then it'll be the rest of us working in the, in the mines with no bridges and you know as we watch eight trillion dollars worth of of uh, infrastructure fall apart you know and you have to granted uh, or give props to the gop for being able to do this you know to be able to push this through and like what you know we don't need infrastructure you know we can't help poor people and that's really what i hear all of the time the gop's like we can't help poor people because actually in this article it said if they're not desperate enough if we can't force them back into the desperation that they were living in, they're going to turn their noses at the labor that builds societies. Right. I mean, they that's how they literally believe. they. You, oh, yeah. It was actually said by a GOP guy This in this article. We need to, them to be desperate. People. Yeah, we have to have desperation. I mean, that's why they don't fix homelessness and the mentally ill out here. It would cost, you know, the amount of money from what I've read is so small. They could fix homelessness next tomorrow if they wanted to, but they don't want to because that's just a reminder for everyone out there. Hey, you don't like those minimum wage jobs? Well, look what else we've got for you. We've got uh, pigeons for dinner, and you can camp out near the uh, uh, in, near the trash cans at uh, your apartment complex. Yeah, and you can eat. You know, the trash can will be the rock of your community. That's your toilet. Now it's your food source. It's your housing. I mean, Jesus, you know, dumpsters seem to be uh, a gift from heaven. And they're everywhere, America. So you can, <laughs> you can, you can put many homeless there. You will find a dumpster. So, you know, we can house them all right now. And we can house the rest of you because they're coming for you. They're coming for you specifically. They're yeah. coming for you, and they want to get you because you are sitting here eating that fat $300 paycheck and uh, refusing to take the job that I go to work every day. Um, and uh, we need to get you so desperate and sad that you're willing to become me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, on top of that, we'll give you a little to-go bag with some crack cocaine. Which is a medicine that can help cure the pain of poverty. I will never get that expression out of my head as long as I live. The pain of poverty is crushed by crack cocaine. That's the only thing that's strong enough to help that sort of pain. You're like, I, I found a, a a little baggie of. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was crack cocaine uh, yesterday. Did I tell you that? No, did you find it at work? It's probably uh, not. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, it might have been Nadia's, but uh, I had a, a liquor rep come up to me and she said, you know, I think I've got something for you. And I was like, oh, okay, what's that? And, um, and she was a woman in her 50s, so I was thinking to myself, you have really nothing that I want. But... <laughs> I thought I was a great AEO. <laughs> I don't I don't date in my age group, I'm sorry. No, um, I don't think most men do, honestly. Have you seen, have you seen a fifty year old woman? I mean they have gone down the hill and did they're and they're rolling down the hill hitting the ugly rocks on the way down and i'm an ugly guy and if i can call you ugly I mean, oh my god like i told you i spent 30 minutes before we got onto this call looking at bumble and it's like okay kids okay has a job okay is bragging about her house oh yeah out of my league and on top of it she's butt ugly i mean you uh, wouldn't believe the amount of people that are just straight up butt ugly out there looking for love everybody wants love but you know um <laughs> Uh, even the ugly people like myself would like to have, find someone. You know, my problem is, is I'm not, I'm willing to even take ugly. As long as she's 10 years younger. Uh, 10 years, <laughs> it's something. Give me something. Like you have to be funny, smart, 10 years younger and ugly. Like, that's fun. <laughs> ugly is but, always part of the package. When you get on right. those dating sites and, and you look at whatever you're looking at, Tinder or Bumble, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> As a man, you will not go anywhere on these dating sites unless you are in the top, you know, twenty percent of of men. If, if you don't, if you don't come across as six foot one and rich and all that other stuff, uh, they're not interested on the the dating apps. But you can, you know, you can still fool a woman um, if you meet her in public because you can confuse her by your clever epigrammatical conversation and uh, you know, she'll be like, hey. your main dance isn't working <laughs> you know, you're trying to wow the ladies with your uh, with your wealth and with your lifestyle and, and with uh, not gonna work yeah yeah you know you, you need to gonna you're gonna need to uh, up your game somehow. You're gonna have to get some gold chains, maybe get some grills, you know, you know, get something, you know, to to flash them with, to hypnotize them with, so they can just move around the back and just get in there. Well, these women need to understand that, you know, now that men don't graduate from high school or college or get masters and PhDs at the same rate as women do, and now that all these manufacturing jobs have disappeared, the only thing left are service jobs. If the men even go to work, it's going to be at a service job where they don't make any money. So you're going to have to date down. You're going to have to oh, date no. down. You can't date no, up no. anymore. They would rather die than date down. Oh, oh God. Yeah, they can't date down. You know, their friends will see them dating down. And do you right. really, it's like something you said yesterday. It's like you really want to bring around the loser boyfriend to your six kids. I mean, they're going to look at him and be like, you know, you did a lot better when you had standards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these women always have to have standards. I don't know. You, you, you've got. If you don't have a boyfriend, the reason is oh, there's only one reason. Your standards are too high. Well, I mean, I looked at Rachel yesterday when she passed me, and she looked at me. She turned her nose up at me, and I'm like, oh, yeah. "Look at you! Go look in the mirror. If anyone looks at you, should be happy." There is a woman. I mean, <laughs> there are days when she comes, and it's like she's. I'm not even pulling my pants up. I don't even care. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, she could do she could do way better than you, and uh, that's why she's not even gonna she's not even gonna give you the um, cursory like up and down look. You don't even 
You don't no, even call it just like that. goes in the air and then just moving past you, like. And she, you know, actually, she makes eye contact with, and then puts her nose up and then walks right past me. You're like, oh, you wow. get eye contact. So that's that's pretty that's pretty good. Oh yeah, just to, just to show me the disdain she has. It's just like, uh, oh man, yeah. you're looking at me. <laughs> I don't I don't think she carries that much disdain for me. Like, uh, it, there's no. I mean, there's a you she'll ignore me, but she doesn't. You know, there's no active disdain, at least. Oh, I feel I feel it like a, uh, <laughs> like a fresh match. <laughs> no, I, I've witnessed it. I've seen it. I'm like, she really doesn't like you, does she? Yeah, yeah. She's actually goes out because of you had. It, it, it's the same reason that, like, whenever I get a match on any of those, and I deleted mine uh, a few months, about a month ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I deleted every single one of my apps. Um, because they're they're just worthless. Yeah, you just give up. I just look at them just to laugh. You know, when they they put down their right. demands and then they've got pictures of all their kids and then they they list their Christian values and how they're looking for someone that makes them laugh. And it, and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't adding up to the picture that someone in your position should really have. And on top of it, you're heavy set. Oh, I knew you were going to get fattest eventually. I didn't want to say it because I wanted to just kind of keep it politically correct, but I was like, it's always there. Well, if there are any listeners on my podcast um, that used to read my blog, and that's why they're listening now, um, yeah, they're, they've they've already heard me say or read me saying something about that comment of times, I'm sure. <laughs> I think my the people who are watching right now live, uh, they're well aware of my uh, – Taste. Let's just put it that way. Let's just put right. oh, taste, and they don't include well marbled. <laughs> no, large large feet maybe, but um... <laughs> big size ten feet. Come on in, baby. Well marbled? I don't think so. <laughs> I I had to take those uh, those podcasts down. <laughs> I, <just, laughs> I couldn't have someone like Stacy listening to that. <laughs> Because when I look at Stacy's face sometimes when she listens to my podcast, I'm like, you're a real son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and she keys in on very specific points that I make. So <laughs> it's uh you're just keeping it real. Um I you know, it's, the reason it's, why I just like uh sharing these things with people that I actually know in real life because I'm like if I share this with another human being, they're going to realize that, man, that guy's a real piece of work. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you just need to be able to couch it in the correct language. So here's how you I'll, – I'll teach you how to say what you really want to say to women. And you just use their own language against them. So you just say that you just want to have someone that you have chemistry with. Oh, so you don't say things like, oh, they're too fat or things like that. You just say – because women say the same thing about men. They'll say, you know, or they have their different standards. Like it has to do with height or or maybe hair on their head, but things like that. And so they, they couch it in language like, I just need to have chemistry with him. But really you're just saying, oh, no, you have particular preferences in terms of what you find attractive in a person. And that's perfectly fine and reasonable. People have those and, and they should be allowed to have them. Okay. Okay, that's putting it very nicely. It's like, yeah, well, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. What you don't say is, what you don't say is, you know, there are a lot of these single women or, or these single moms out there who are ribbled in marble fat. That <laughs> it's like a steak, a fine steak. It's got to be marbled, <laughs> well marbled. 
<laughs> yeah, no one wants to be well marbled. <laughs> but unfortunately, they outnumber everyone else. If you go through, if you probably go through, let's say a thousand, just thousand sample profiles, 95% are going to be in that category of well marbled. You know why? Because they think that they have the goods, which is just what you want. Uh, and, and the rest of it, you're just going to ignore. And well, what's happened? We've had uh, there's a social contagion going on, and um, and and I'm a plump guy, so I can you know I don't feel too bad about saying um, <laughs> other things about plump people. Um, but so much of our society, like I'm a I'm a heavy I'm kind of a heavy set guy or or or, uh, or what are you plump? What I don't know what you want to call it, chunky. And, like, um, right, but like. I'm almost thin in comparison to the average person now because the average person is a, is not just obese, but they're morbidly obese. And that's just a super mega technical term. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the average person is 80, 100 pounds overweight in America now. I and, know. you know, something like something like 40% are obese and another 20 or 30% are morbidly obese. It, it, <laughs> so what's happening is the social contagion is now that everybody's fat, you have to have a belief that fat is beautiful. And so that's why the butt, this is, this has been a thing I've been talking about for years. That's why the butt has become such a focus because it's grown so large. And so it's triggering our biological mechanisms there. Oh, this large round butt. And so the butt just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And it, it's being celebrated because of the largeness and fatness of, of the average American. We've all gotten so fat that we had to change our old fashioned ideas of what was attractive, the slender average built human. Now it's no, no, no. Now it's the huge, big fat, butt. that's what you find attractive America. And, and you know, you hear it and you see it everywhere you go. They are, they are shoving down. You know, if you go on TikTok, it's hours of girls shaking their butts at you. Like you're in, you're in a tribal society from 20,000 years ago. And um, it, 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 the, what they're really trying to do is just take the focus off the breast and the vagina. They want you to look at the butt and just keep getting fatter. That's an interesting theory. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't spend enough time on TikTok, obviously, to uh, to you know to take your uh, your research at face value here, but. Um, Everyone under the age of 30, that they spend eight hours a day glued to that thing. And uh, it's the only mechanism for, you know, understanding the world now. I mean, at this point, what you're telling me is that I need to put big butts and COVID vaccines on the same page. And this way I can get a 99% of the population vaccinated. Right. Okay. So it's all about product placement. And if you're telling me that big booties move minds towards the <laughs> goal... <laughs> <laughs> of our government and our society. I, I mean, there's no other way. I'm going to have to have a giant ass now administering vaccines at a vaccination center. If you, if all the nurses had fat asses, if, um, if you could, if you could give away, um, like butt replace, not or butt enhancements, like yeah. surgical butt enhancements, if we could oh, do those, I think you could get a hundred percent of the people uh, who haven't been vaccinated vaccinated. Okay, so now you need to have uh, on-site uh, body augment augmentation. Body stuff. augmentation stuff, yeah. And so you get the augmentation first, and then you tell them you're going to get the vaccine. 
Well, there'd always be that scam, of course, but uh, that's why you that's why you pluck them while that while you've got them, you know. Oh yeah, so you put them under for the uh for the augmentation, and then right, you and that's when you that's them. when you poke them with the stick, right? <laughs> it's actually literally a ten foot pole with the vaccine on the end. <laughs> And, and your butt doesn't get bigger from the surgery. It's just the side effects of the Johnson & Johnson. Um, <laughs> your mate says right on the vaccine, your ass may make your butt for several hours. <laughs> may make your butt big. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that system would still be better than offering people in West Virginia free guns, free drops, <laughs> and free vacations. <laughs> Yeah. That's how you really know your population. They want guns, they want four-wheel drive trucks, and they want vacations to Las Vegas. And steedoos <laughs> and, and, and um, four-by-fours. <laughs> this, is a, this is a country that, that's supposed to lead the world in science and in democracy and in all of these things. And these people in this state want guns for vaccines. Come on, America. I thought you were well, better than this. Yeah, I mean, I think we used to be. But, um, you know, at, once we, uh, once you start looking around, you see all of the, um, like, the mechanics, the engineering, the computer science jobs that don't get filled because there's no talent to do any of these things. Oh, there's plenty of talent. It's called India. Oh, yeah. I mean, outside of America, but there aren't any Americans who can do it anymore. I mean, remember when we're, I told you about Joe Biden that... launch at the last Na NASA launch? He looked around. It's like, there's too many Indians here. We need more Americans doing these jobs. <laughs> and when he sounded as racist as that. <laughs> exactly. That's what he's, I mean, that's what he's up for. I mean, if you have but I mean, that's one of the reasons America is going to lose its industrial base. And uh, um, it, it wouldn't shock me that it just contracts all across the world or all across the nation. Everybody will be living in, you know, small rural towns in, in West Virginia. That'll be the life that it's like for the average American who uh, doesn't pull his bootstraps up far enough to get into the uh, the upper class. I mean, I love that line from uh, from the Silence of the Lambs. You smell like the land. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I mean, I, I, I just, I, I don't get how you can have. I mean, I'm used to thinking of places like Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, South Carolina. You know, your real backwards areas of the country, and then you've got West Virginia that just takes it up a notch. Great. <laughs> We have the southern values and, and, and so much abundance that, that we can push them into popular culture. We can use them against people. You know, I, I, I think people who are uh, playing with snakes, you know. Yeah, and call it a religion. Right, call it a religion. <laughs> I'm going to handle snakes and call it a religion. As long as it doesn't bite me, that's my religion. Yeah, as long as God keeps protecting me. Um, like this morning, I was telling the girl that works at the gym, it's like, you know what? You know, a lot of us poor people, you know, we don't get to have the, the poverty of driving an Audi. Uh, and she's like, well, you know, some people just have good luck. No, go look in the bathroom at that face of yours and then look at mine. You know, <laughs> I think that you, you may have won the, 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 the lottery when it comes to, uh, you know, 
being overall attractive. You know, you're not going to get to experience this. And I always put my finger around my face in the circle. It's like this, you know, this means a life of hardship. This over here, your face, you know, a privilege. I can see privilege. You, you know, you're complaining about driving an Audi to work, you know, at a job that pays $140 a week. You know, that's real privilege. That's the kind of privilege I thought I was going to get, but I didn't get it. So. I'm telling you, you need to go back to wherever the man lives and, and, and you know, put down your whitey card and say, you know what? Like, <laughs> Mine's broken. <laughs> Mine's not working. Uh, you know, like, really... For the privilege. Uh, <laughs> did I get a new whitey card? Mine seems to be stuck at minimum wage and um, service jobs. And he looks at you, it's like, it's in the mail. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> It'll be there. I just keep you know how many times I've gone to the mailbox to look for stuff. It's like they keep telling you it's in the mail. You're like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna go home and sit in my uh, little uh, uh, hut. You know, my little mud hut. I'm gonna pee in this uh, this Kroger water bottle here, and uh, I'm just gonna keep waiting. You know, it's gotta show up sometime. You know, I still got a solid 20 years left of me. You know, in the workforce. Uh, so yeah, now, and I look at it the exact opposite way. It's like, you know what, I got dealt a bad hand because of, uh, you know, the coloration of my skin and overall uh, <laughs> education and the lack of prosperity and the fact that I don't have any rich friends to, you know, to help me out with the job. And that's mm -hmm. really what it comes down to is, uh, and we've talked about this and I actually saw an article about this is that when you grow up in, in people with people of means, they're always going to lend a helping hand to a person that they see needs help like them. Think of right. the relationship they between Donald them, Trump right. and his dad and Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't get that infusion of millions of dollars. You know, he's working right next to you. Right. That's so. uh well, you know, I think uh, maybe it's about time we start to uh, wrap this puppy up. We're looking at two and a half hours. You know, I'm, I'm watching the clock as we're talking. I just can't believe we burned through this much material since we usually right. only end up talking for 15 minutes. <coughs> 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. 15 minutes three or four times. Uh, yeah, I actually have looked at the, the GoPro sometimes and I get home and it's like, oh my God, I just burned through a two hour battery. Because <laughs> I only like today, I went and I and I talked to Nadia for about three minutes, and I was out. That was it. They had a, a new person working register one the express, and they had uh, a um, uh, which call it um, a courtesy clerk working the other side of the self checkout. You know what she was doing when I walked in? No, she was sitting on one of the registers. So <laughs> yeah. sounds about right. She literally was in the back one, the one closest to the the liquor aisle, the back uh, left hand corner, and she's just sitting there on it, just you know, just you know, bored as could be, looking like you know what? What did I do to end up here? <laughs> I don't know what we did, but we must have done something to to end up there. I know that uh, at least this way, we didn't have um, any of the stink eye from Robert. Uh, giving you the look that you've you've overextended your stay. You didn't buy enough to be able to talk to my employee this long. Oh yeah, I get that look. He's the guy with like the mohawk thing going on. Yeah, yeah. 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 That guy comes by, and I can just tell him he's like, 
You know what? Okay. You know, my employee needs to be doing something more productive than talking to you about joining his uh, his gang of men that enjoy wearing hoods. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I'll, okay, well, we're going to cut it off there. Uh, everyone that's watching right now, I don't know if this is going to become a regular thing because this man does work a lot of hours and he very rarely has two days off. I mean, this is like, you know, a solar eclipse and uh, hell opening up at the same time. That is true. Every once in a while, uh, every once in a while we get a solar eclipse. And, uh, you know, that you can usually predict those things. But uh, luckily, science doesn't work anymore because science is liars. Yeah, of course. It's full of liars. You know? Yeah. Of course, there's no evidence. There's, there's, there's a great scene from, um, uh, I can't remember the TV show, but um, it's on Fox. And, they, and it, the guy goes, science... Lies, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. You know, sometimes they get it right. You know, like flipping sometimes they get it right, but hey, sometimes science lies. Sometimes, but not all. The time. Uh, that's what the scientists do. They flip a coin, and if it lands heads, okay, you know what? That's right. If it doesn't, then it was uh, God's work. You know. Right. I mean, in the seventies, it was uh, we're everyone. We're gonna have a new ice age. Now it's global warming. These guys can't make up their mind. Yeah, and Dr. Fauci's a liar. <laughs> like the the emails actually prove that Dr. Fauci said that the masks don't work. And what else do they say now? He also said, oh, and that he knew about it, the um, military uh, creating it, the virus in China because they funded it. Um, of course. It had to be funded by us. It's just like it was funded by the U.S. as well. Yeah. They're just testing to see how many. You know, it was a test that was a dry run that didn't that got out. And uh, now we're all getting to pay for that. Yeah, exactly. It it was like that experiment. Um, I think CIA in the sixties. Right. Um, that the one. Um, with the LSD and all that. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, God, I forgot what the name of the experiment was. Yeah, but they basically just pushed uh, the 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 drugs out there, and they're like, you know what, we're going to take volunteers, but we're also going to spread it around in society to see what happens uh, to people who are taking this. Um, uh, this very powerful psychotic drug and you know stuff happened people got hurt but you know it was all in good fun <laughs> just like just like today's virus which you know they they didn't realize might actually push the uh the working class to get some class consciousness oh my and, God, you imagine uh, that? It's like we're gonna put this out to try to kind of uh get rid of certain people and it's like oh crap the poor people don't want to work <laughs> yeah, they, I, you know, because there's so many people in the elite that actually like their jobs. They have fun, interesting, or, or oh stimulating jobs. They don't realize how how unstimulating the job is, and that nobody wants to really do it at all. Oh my god! I saw an article like this about ten days ago. This woman's like, you know, I had to quit my job that I loved doing this job, and I had to quit because I had to come home and take care of my kids because school wasn't in session. And man, I love my job so much. I hope I can go back. And I'm like, you know, stop gushing over your job. You know what I did for a living before? You know, I don't ever want to go back there ever again. If I could go to every place I've ever worked at for my entire life and uh, accidentally play with matches, <laughs> I would. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were that awful. You know, I, I whenever I go back uh, near that. Um, that Kroger store on my way to Goodwill on Thursdays, I, I go by there and I cringe about all those nights that I spent in the parking lot thinking, you know what, this is my last night here. It's 10 o'clock. 
uh, at night. And I'm in the Kroger's parking lot. And uh, this is a seedy part of town. You know, there's no way I'm going to make it. Or <laughs> when the lightning was out. And I was, and you know, I'm carrying around six metal baskets. <laughs> there's lightning in the air. You know where it's going to go? <laughs> All the cashiers always pay, uh, take a, a dollar and bet on which um, bagger is going to get struck when we see the lightning. Yeah, it's only a matter of time. Right. Yeah. And, and and as I was telling someone that works at your store the other day, that's just God letting you off the hook, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and that's why I'm just going to let nature take its course. I, I'm not going to another doctor until the one that pronounces me dead comes to, you know. You know, they're just going to stuff you and put you right there next to them. They might. They <laughs> literally should, actually. <laughs> it's like, my customer's like, oh, it's good to see David again. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. It's like I, I was talking to your fellow coworker, and she's worked there for for thirty years, which means that I've known her since I was a little child, and but I just never noticed her. And so you never, it, you never noticed Beth. It's hard to miss her. Uh, well, uh, we're, we're not going to mention this person's name, but yeah, oh. I, I mean, that, she's been there thirty years. Which means, and my fam this is my family grocery store. This is where we went to shop after church on Sundays. Mm. So, yeah. So, um, when you pass someone for that many years and you just never notice them, it really goes to show it's not only the way that we feel about most of the people that are in that place, but the fact that we can ignore them for a lifetime. And that's exactly what's happened with all of these millions of people out there. We just flat out mm. ignored them, and now all of a sudden we need them to do the things that they don't want to do anymore. Right. That's the uh, that's the only power we have is to show people that, oh, it turns out you don't need job creators. You you need the actual laborer. Yeah. The laborer. the laborer. It turns out without the laborer, you don't tend to make a lot of money. Yeah. The job creator is like having a, a shop with no wares in it. It's like, okay, right. you know, I've got the doors open, but that, pesky, annoying, disgusting, stinky thing called labor, damn it, we can't get it back in the store. We can't even go around with a cattle prod to get it back in there. <laughs> well well they're gonna try the they're gonna try the cattle prod over the next few months and it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, oh you know the cattle's just gonna lay on its side. <laughs> the just gonna lay on its side and you're just gonna keep prodding it with that with that cattle prod. And uh, eventually the cattle just die i guess i don't know i'm hoping it just rolled its eyes roll back into its head and it's just like i'm gonna go meet my maker now because at least they're in the supposed heaven that i've been you know uh studying my whole life in religion i'm going to a better place right so you can't hurt me if i'm going to a better place <laughs> that's fabulous you can't hurt me i'm going to heaven <laughs> right well, even if it's if, even if it's just a, a jump into the nothingness, you know, well, that'll be better. Oh, dude, it's anything's better than having to deal with customers. Oh, that's right. If you're a customer and you're listening to this podcast or <laughs> oh seeing this God. video for the first time, and all you are is a customer, let me tell you something about you as a customer. You're horrible. We owe every every single person in the store hates you. Every retail shop you've ever been in, and even anyone who's ever been nice to you, they actually hate you. 
Um, He's telling me this, and I'm a customer to him. He's actually <laughs> telling me how he feels about me right now, guys. <laughs> you know what? Because you get interrupted by a customer like literally like every 25 seconds, so it's like it's like your alarm going off every 30 seconds, and it's just some annoying thing. Like, where's the bathroom? I don't know. Look at the sign that says bathroom. Have you thought about that? Interrupt you for the same thing. <laughs> you literally told him. You walked up to them and said, "You don't have any money in your account. That's why you can't pay for your phone." <laughs> my my card won't go through. Yeah, because it's because you have no money in the card. You know? Like, well, can I? Use, I love the thing where like they have the card and they're like, "It's not going through." Yeah, you have no money. And they're like, "Well, can I try it on the other machine?" Well, what do you? What is that machine magical? That machine doesn't have your money either. Your bank does, and it said no. Hey, that's not what they see. They just don't get that. Yeah, and they just keep swiping it over and over and yeah, over. Yeah, they'll just – I've spent eight years of my life in real time watching people swipe and then go, uh, and then swipe again, and then swipe again. And, they, and then they look at their phone, and it's like, oh, I have $1.96 in my account. I guess I can't buy all of this stuff. I literally spent half an hour loading up my cart when I knew for a fact that I had less than a dollar in my bank account. And now I, I'm going to take it out on the person that's responsible for these self accounts. I cannot tell you how many times that happens where you're, where they're like, well, I've only got $25 in my account and they'll have a, they'll have two baskets worth of stuff. And you're like, did you not do the basic math here that you aren't going to be able to afford all that? That's no, why they don't deserve $15 an hour. So I guess we'll just go back to let's go back to seven bucks an hour. Obviously, if you can't count, you don't need fifteen dollars an hour because you can't tell right. the difference between the federal minimum wage and the minimum wage that you want. If you don't know that fifteen dollars is less than seven dollars and twenty-five cents an hour, then you know what's the point of raising your wages? Exactly. None of them are gonna be able to figure it out anyway. I'm telling you, it's just, it's science. <laughs> damn lying in science. Yeah, damn that science. It keeps me from getting the things I want when I have no money in my bank account. <laughs> All right, T, I'm out. All right, buddy. Take it easy. All right, bye.